here we go. Boom! <laughs> hey guys, welcome to episode 91 of CMD Towers Brews and Builds. I'm Mr. Com number five, and my fellow has, has developed some underworld connections in the NASCAR circuit, <laughs> I am sure, Big Tuck. How dare you? Uh, I have still not been to the museum, um, and if you don't know this, I've been under a gas shortage, so I drove my car three times this week. Uh, also, hey, cats and kittens. Uh, Mr. Com, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I'm going to be coming in all kinds of hots and bothers today. I my, oh, my heart's right. racing, um, and it's not necessarily because of our guest, but uh, today was the first day where I was like, I, I got a uh, e-reader, right, one of the ink ones. So one thing as a sure. perpetual vagrant slash like sort of loner is I have a hard time of figuring out what to do to go to a place by myself and just like hang out there, right, and not look like some sort of creep, yeah, um, or pedophile or other sort of thing that a large bald man <laughs> with a beard would look like. I, you know who knows, right? I wear a lot of Carhartt. I'm not sure if that's related, but I got this e-reader, uh, a Nook, and it's like the perfect thing ever because now I have on demand like something to make me. I think look interesting. Um, at least, at least, um, what is it? Li uh, literate, uh, as well as someone who's not just sitting in a bar by himself listening to who knows what's on his podcast. Um, uh, so, so really, it's a facade because you're tricking correct. everyone. Because you're nice camouflage. Yes, exactly. And what they don't realize is all I'm just reading on it is just the dictionary because I don't know how to read or write. Um, but uh, evidently, the mask mandate got lifted yesterday, um, and Charlotte, and specifically the the lady folk of Charlotte decided to be on mass. So that is the reason why I am sweating currently, but you sir are sweating for what I would wager to guess is an entirely different reason. Uh, yes, these are shower sweats. Oh. I just showered, uh, you know, half hour ago. Uh, you know, the fiance uh, went to go see her, what will be her maid of honor, because ah. uh, they're doing a little girl's day and she's going to stay with them. They live like south of Topeka. Okay. Um, and uh, so I, I took the opportunity instead of being a degenerate and just playing video games all day, like I should have, or building more magic. Excellent. Yes. Like I should have <laughs> actually cleaned the house. I did. That's awesome. I picked up. I was a responsible adult. It's very How do you weird. feel? Okay, so as someone that also burns a lot of Saturdays doing things that I shouldn't be doing, like, do you feel, do you feel better? Do you feel worse? Do you feel energized? Like, are you ready to go out tonight? Like where, where's your kind of energy and mindset at now? So it was actually perfect because I actually prefer to have my evenings and late nights doing the degenerate stuff ah, I shouldn't right. be doing. Uh, and so it's like, opposed to me doing nothing during the day and then being a degenerate at night, it's like I was productive and I'll be a degenerate. So it's like, I feel like I earned yeah, yeah, yeah. my alcohol you, consumption. You, you. you know, I earned the smoke that will fill my lungs <laughs> uh, and the hours of plug MTG Goldfish I'm gonna Ooh. watch tonight. We have a guest, Ooh. everyone, the amazing Cover. Uh, hello, Cover. Hey, thanks for having me, everybody. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to be here and, and talk nerdy stuff. So what have you been doing with your Saturday? Uh, I've been also productive slash procrastinating, I guess. I have a video that's coming out tomorrow, but it's not done yet. Spoiler. Um, so hopefully it'll be done uh, by tomorrow morning when it's supposed to go up or else. Uh, there will be a talk to have with my coworkers. Uh, um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited afterwards. Uh, there's a show that I would like to watch, Castlevania. I'm caught oh, up sure. on season three. And there's a season four, I believe. 
out on Netflix. So if I get to finish all my work, I'm going to be chilling and, uh, and watching some new episodes and, there. So and just in case the audio, my just in case the audio team at Netflix, we are open to sponsorship. Um, <laughs> if you want more of that on here, and, uh, and Tomer, bases there, yeah. Tomer, I have to say, um, I yeah, I am a huge fan of yours. Um, and tell me if these deck names ring any sort of bells for maybe when you first started writing Budget Ederic. Budget Rakdos, Budget Tashiro, and finally, the all-star of the group, Retraced Image. Do these all sound kind of like familiar cards you may be talking about? Uh, uh, a little bit, yeah. I actually have a, a Tashiro deck of my own as well, a paper version of it. And Retraced Image has shown up in at least two of my decks. Yeah. So yeah. Budget Edric too, huh? I well do, so do, here's, does your playgroup hate you. Now okay, now let me <laughs> let me preface this before Mr. Combo comes and flames me for this. At some That his playgroup always hates. <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah. Uh there's a reason why I had to move from Kansas City to find a new group to play with. Um now I like to think of myself as a budget player. What unfortunately <laughs> what unfortunately happens is I build budget decks and then hold on to them for so long they become extraordinarily not budget now yeah not to mr combo's level but i am starting to eat my eat some crow and or my hat by calling myself that sort of a player <laughs> yeah whenever he calls himself a budget player and or a uh, uh casual hey i'm just trying to have fun player they're both lies <laughs> um you are on notice and you have broken through the ice um <laughs> So Tomer, uh, you know, to, to kind of, you know, for the, I guess the one person that's listening to us that doesn't know who you are, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, a little bit about the work you do at MTG Goldfish and how people can actually find your content and engage with you. Uh, well, I work for a website called MTG Goldfish and I'm the commander player there. So I basically organize and, and host and produce most of the content that's commander related on the website. And we actually have two YouTube channels. We have the main channel, which is MTG Goldfish YouTube channel, uh, but we have a new one or slash newish one. It, it was launched in September, MTG Goldfish Commander. And that's been my baby uh, for the almost, going almost a year now. Um, and, and that is what I, I develop uh, almost like entirely on me. And uh, we have a bunch of projects that, that I'm really excited uh, working there. We have Weekly Commander Clash, where uh, the Goldfish crew plays uh, a game of Commander every single week. And we have uh, a weird restriction theme every single week. Um, and I also do abridged gameplay videos. Um, and I do streams uh, where we do games with viewers. And we do also on Sundays, we do a special stream called Backseat Brew, where we brew a deck from scratch, which I guess kind of helped me uh, for, for this podcast podcast actually a lot so yeah I, I do a bunch of commander stuff you could you could find me on the mtg goldfish uh website but also mtg goldfish uh youtube channel commander mtg goldfish commander youtube there it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Yeah, you know, uh, we were telling uh, Turmer before the cast that, uh, you know, it's funny. We, we've had, you know, many content creators on in the last almost two years. And uh, the Commander Smiths were the ones that actually wanted and kind of put the idea in my head that me and Tuck should start this channel. Um, but getting into Commander, uh, Tuck brought it over from China. Uh, I say that as if it was some like import export. <laughs> perhaps uh, perhaps, just, you know, perhaps something <laughs> related to the recent pandemic that we've been going through. Smuggled it in from China. In a very similar sense, yeah. I brought it over and gave it to Mr. Combo, and then he infected Kansas City, and I'm in the process oh, of infecting Charlotte. It's all it's all very good. And now we're in quarantine, yeah, we're, we're, we're and we're all the playing it from <laughs> Spell Table. <laughs> 
Uh, but um, once, you know, he kind of told me about it, I started Googling it. And then Commander Clash has been my Friday night ritual. I've watched just about every single episode every single week for the last like three, four years. So it's been very exciting Oof. for us to have it on. And we have a very exciting deck for us to talk about. But before then, we got shameless plugs. Uh, if you guys want to be able to support the CMD Tower team and all the content we put out, head over to our sponsor, Level One Game Shop. They do tabletop games. They do singles. They do sealed product. Amazing people down in the uh, bottoms here in Kansas City or the River Market, uh, however you want to kind of categorize those areas. Um, and very exciting, guys. We have been talking with the uh, shop, and we will be getting ready for in-person games coming up. We will be doing a CMD Tower takeover, hoping to do some sort of... Uh, fun draft, maybe something like Mystery Boosters or even Modern Horizons 2 to where your entry fee gets you an actual CMD Tower playmat, the sleeves, and then you get the packs to be able to sleeve up and be able to play for prizes. So be on the lookout. We will be talking about that on our main Twitter account um, and obviously on the cast as soon as we get more details. But if you would like to actually help us out financially, you can head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. We have tons of different tiers. Um, and of course, the, the base one for just a buck a month gets you into the Discord, which, uh, you know, this is something we haven't talked about before. But usually whenever we have a guest on, we usually have them join into the channel so that way they can uh, answer questions about the deck, be able to engage with the community. So if you guys want to ask Tomer some questions about the deck that we'll be talking about, join for just a dollar and you can uh, ask questions and maybe he'll answer. Maybe he'll, you know, uh, tag me. Maybe, maybe he'll, maybe yeah, he'll leave. Just tag maybe, he'll, me. maybe he'll leave the Discord after a day in there after seeing what sort of nightmare. No, no, uh, no. We have waiting for him. <laughs> I just, I have uh, a lot of Discord. So if you tag me, I will be for sure notified, and then I'll respond. If you don't there tag me, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a 50-50. Yeah. Uh, and so, and of course, guys, all, all the way up to where you can get our playmat, our sleeves, our coin, our tokens, all the different stuff. Plus, you get additional entries into the monthly giveaways that Level 1 provides. Um, if you're an existing patron and you have a friend at an LGS, uh, you know, in your own play group, uh, and you think they'd really like to be a part of our community, we do have a referral program. So just when they join, have them message us on Patreon. Uh, let a, let them, you know, inform us of who referred them, and then we'll send you some free swag. So uh, hook you up also. But hey, if you want to get some of that swag, but maybe you can't do a monthly commitment or whatever, you know, your financial uh, needs are, you can just go buy it directly at our store, cmdtower.com/merch. We do sell everything in there, and the ongoing bit that will not die is I need you guys to buy this stuff to get it out of my basement so my fiance will let me sleep in the bed again. <laughs> And of course, uh, the free way is just share the content that you're watching and listening to because every little bit of interaction from the collective really does help. And of course, Pink Royal, we really uh, appreciate the music you guys provide to us in the beginning and the end of the episodes. And T-Coats, our amazing video editor at underscore T-Coats on Twitter. Uh, you know, let him know how you like the YouTube videos, things that he does well, things that we can improve on, because we're always looking to uh, make the content better. So Brews and Builds is our deck tech series. Since we conquered the path to 32, we have moved on to the endless themes that EDH can bring us, and each month will be a new theme, and we correlate how these decks are constructed similar to how beer is brewed. <laughs> we broke it down into four different categories. The first one's ramp and setting your board. We call that grain. And grains are the foundation of every beer. They include both base malts and specialty malts, usually about a 60 to 40 ratio. This helps with the color, the taste, and most importantly, the alcohol content of a beer. Decks always need ways to grow, stabilize, and ramp into your bigger threats, and just look at your rain profile, they're usually a mix of staples and specialty cards. 
And then the next is how does your board interact with all of your opponents? We call that hops. And hops give the beer its patented bitterness and herbal floral flavors. They grow in a variety of strands such as Centennial, Citra, Pacific, Gem, and Ella, and help distinguish subcategories like this cruising down the street in my 6.4 uh, IPA. Our hop choices. Can you do an easy bit? Can you do you have that, Mr. Combo? I mean cruising down the street in my six foe. Nailed it. I knew you I knew you could bail me out of this one. Uh, our hop choices help clear and interact with the boards. So your deck can ultimately do what it wants. And then, of course, my favorite section, which uh, we're, we're going to have to address in the bottle capping, not a lot of ways, but how does the deck close out, win the game, or, and I guess this deck actually does do it, accomplish what the commander wants? We call that yeast. And yeast are living microorganisms that eat the sugar from the grain and poop out alcohol and CO2. It adds alcohol content in the carbonation. Without yeast, you'd be drinking flat sugar water. Without yeast cards, your deck wouldn't meet the goal of actually winning the game. Then we have Alter of the Broods. I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're shenanigans. These can be pet cards, synergies in the deck that we just kind of think are fun or maybe loosely fit the theme. We call that spice. And not every beer has them, but spice is another additive that helps operate a, separate a normal stock beer from a specialty one. It could be the pepper that turns a stout into jalapeno stout or the vanilla beans that turn a porter into a vanilla porter. Not every deck has something that makes it pop, but if it does, this is where we talk about it. And then we have a bottle capping to round out the episode. And usually this is a uh, cut and add that's under five dollars under 50 bucks and a no budget but hey this is budget month so they're all gonna be budget uh the only restriction is we can't talk about those mana only lands which i guess doesn't even apply because those aren't even budget <laughs> so without further ado let's get brewing and of course it's budget month so we had to bring on an amazing brewmaster and tomer from mtg goldfish aka budget commander with his special weatherlight brew with daxos the returned so tuck why don't you read what daxos is and does and then Tomer, give us your thoughts on how you brewed this deck. Yes, and Daxos the Return is a legendary creature, zombie soldier, that's a mythic, coming in at about $4.30. Uh, for one colorless, a white and a black, you get a 2-2 that says whenever you cast an enchantment smell, you get an experience counters, RIP, uh, won't be seeing these ever again. Uh, and then for a colorless, a black, and a white, you put a white and black spirit enchantment creature token onto the battlefield. It has this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of experience counters you have. So yeah, Tomer, you know, I, I you and I collaborated a little bit, um, you know, not to spoil too much, guys, but we kind of talked about it earlier in the week on MTG Action 4 News. Uh, Squee McGee, our resident weatherlight report, you know, he usually tries to brew decks that there aren't a lot out there. So he threw the challenge out there with Ephemia, the cacophony for Tomer to brew. Uh, Tomer looked at it and he was like, I can't in good conscience <laughs> build a deck that actually wants this my, the commander. My hubris, I was the one who offered. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I budget commander can can do any of them. It's fine. You pick. You guys pick, and I'll just I'll just come up with something really here's easy. Here's here's what was shocking, Tomer. We were talking Not about hard. it on the we were talking about it on action fours. I think there's a decent deck in that. Like I think there's a lot of different ways you could have gone. So it was very surprising to me to see that you know um, some would say balked. Some would say quivered, uh, but you know, you decided flinched. to go in different directions. Yeah, flinch, there you go. Yeah, I, I so saw sorry, it, sorry. I couldn't really, I, I started to brew with it. <laughs> and I, when I was like halfway done, I was like, there's nothing that I found at least that was like super, super interesting to me. So I was like, ah. yeah. I, I looked at the card itself. I saw there was enchantments and it, it cared about enchantments and a zombie theme. And I kind of played off both. And I just saw that there wasn't enough for me enchantment wise 
support in just mono black and then the zombie thing i was like oh but i wish i was another zombie commander so i was like oh yeah, you know what yep. you know what? i'll just go i'll just go orzov and i'll sneak that the card that, that that was requested into the 99 and make it like an important piece of the puzzle so that's that's how i approach it i was like that was a compromise you know <laughs> maybe maybe i bit off more than i can chew but uh i was really yeah, happy with the end result here yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came up with this build of Daxos the Return. All right, so I wanted I wanted that so-called like sneaker commander uh, to be important to the deck and, and for the flavor, the hopsy flavor of it to, uh, you know, marinate through. I, I'm really bad with the beer beers uh, analogies, but, you know, there's there's flavors in, in the beers and Ephemia is definitely in there uh, as an integral piece. Um, and I kind of built around that. I went, I wanted to go Enchantress. Um, so I ended up going into uh, not just Enchantress, but a sub-theme of Enchantress, Auras. So specifically, uh, creature enchantments as, as the main theme of the deck. And this deck is incredibly controlly and grindy. That, those are the main things that I was trying to accomplish with Daxos the Return. Uh, the idea here is inevitability. Uh, you want to have a lot of very early good answers uh, to your opponents, lock them down, constantly draw cards, constantly hit your lane drops, and then slowly develop a board of tokens and overrun your opponents with tokens. Um, and just the longer the game goes, the better it is hopefully for this deck to just grind people out until eventually just they, they can't keep up anymore. So that's the idea. You just you flood with the ever flowing amount of tokens. Uh, they drown in the fizz of the beer and we're good. <laughs> it's like it's like. Yeah. In, so uh, hold on. Uh, let me understand. So you, Tomer, built a deck that likes to draw cards. That's that's blasting. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've How been watching Clash for years. You hate drawing cards. Also, out of my, my ballpark for sure. Did 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 you also follow your own re uh, remedy or recipe when brewing this with your fifty sources of mana ramp and your removals and your surprise finisher? Ha! I knew Not it. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Not <laughs> really. I got. Yeah. I got through it together I, I think i think the biggest thing here that i missed probably i didn't i didn't even count it but probably the mana is, is a little bit low it was literally a killian deck uh, i i adopted it from a killian deck and killian was really weird where you didn't want a lot of other ramp because killian's inherent ramp is or uh is, is so high so i kind of maybe i missed on a little bit of of some of the mana also i i kept it i i know you, you guys were doing like a 78 cent average deck list um mine isn't really like that i just i just aim for 40 dollars on mtg goldfish so there are some weirdness mm, okay. there too based on that there's some cards that would be like why the heck is it? it's not even that expensive it's a dollar card and i was like well i was i wanted it to be under 40 dollars, so i replaced it with a, a worse yeah. version uh sure. but we, we can go into that a little bit later but yeah yeah sure. i don't know overall i, I yeah, think it's pretty it, good but uh, it's definitely probably lacking on the mana at the very least <laughs> i mean honestly i this is a deck that i would fear as I see it later in the game because you do have almost 30 enchantments in the deck and we have a, a friend uh, that'll occasionally play with us and he just has the pre-con of Daxos uh, good old Denny and that deck smacks yeah. because those experience counters are impossible to get rid of unless you restart the game which no one ever does that Karn Planeswalker because it's been outclassed 
And uh, I mean, yeah, when you start and it's like a one or a two, it's like, okay, whatever. But it it snowballs into <clears throat> those tokens being eight, nine, ten power very, very quick. Mm -hmm. And with Daxos only being three mana, yes, he is a hot hot removal target but it's easy to cast him for seven when you're on turn 14 right. and then it's like oh it's still only three mana to generate that token and at that point it's probably a 12 12 or 13 13 um and you have a little bit of recursion in the deck so even though they're you're at 29 enchantments you in theory, and I know this never happens in Magical Christmas, again, <laughs> but you know, if you cast it every enchantment, you still have the opportunity to probably recast another half of the enchantments. So, I mean, your experience counter potential is the, the sky's yeah. the limit. Yeah, Agreed. and that's pretty much what the deck is all about. It's like playing cheap cheap enchantments, trying to be mana efficient with it, uh, cards that, uh, especially cards that replace themselves, cheap cards, cheap enchantments that replace themselves by drawing a card when they're into the battlefield are like the key uh, to the deck as a whole because it fuels everything. It fuels Daxos, it fuels Constellation, it fuels cards that want you to sacrifice because I'm a mean person and I had some, a little bit of sacks. Just a little bit of sacks <laughs> element as well. Uh, but it does it, it does all of it and it's just like incremental incremental value and I've been on the receiving end of Daxos many times and just as soon as he gets like four counters on him and you're just yeah. making four fours eventually it's just like yeah he'll he'll die but then you know he's from theros and glory of the sun will bring him back from the graveyard if he gets too costly <laughs> and uh eventually he just keeps putting tokens and you run out of board wipes or whatever and you're like all right i guess i died to the tokens which is really I thought fun you were gonna to be me. really cute and do like both elspeth like escape from death or whatever and uh, the new daxos <laughs> would be like okay i see what you're trying to do here no, i'm not that good i just went for one <laughs> <laughs> So uh, from, a, from a deck constructed perspective, and this is something that we've started doing, and, and so Tomer, I'm curious when you build decks, if you look at this, before in the past, it would just be like, okay, I need, I'm more of a 34 to 35 land person. And so it's like, okay, let me get my lands, uh, you know, and okay, I think I just need even distribution. And so as me and Tuck have done this cast, yeah. we've actually started to see like, wow, our mana base is way off. Like we need way more blue, for example, than we have access to. So when I'm looking at your pie chart, uh, it looks like you're a dead even like we normally build, but it looks like you could actually use a little bit more white mana. Did you do that on purpose? Like, do you need that even split? Or do you think if you actually played this, whether it be on Commander Clash or in paper, that you might eventually see like, you know what? I do probably need more planes. Let me cut a couple swamps and replace those. I think you're actually bang on there. Um, I didn't really look at the color distribution and i definitely should have i think i could have i could have added more white sources into the deck and less uh black ones uh looking at it um and also a lot of the ramp options aren't really mana fixing they're they're colorless mm -hmm. cost reducers um yeah. So those don't help either. So it's really, it's really like the the lands, and I think maybe one, uh, two two artifacts that that mana fix there. So I think you're correct. Uh, I I would I would uh, if I if I change it up, I'd probably add maybe some more planes or uh, maybe a couple more of the tap lands that that um if i'm missing any any of the cheap both. ones mm -hmm. uh, throw and them in there and believe yeah. you me there's been many times where where we'll bring up a deck that me and mr combo built before we started doing this and be like yeah even lands and the and the is, is way off yeah <laughs> uh and then so the other thing i noticed and i you know i think this is 
a conscious decision because you did want to do those cheap auras and enchantments. Your CMC is three, two, one, mm-hmm. very, very good. And I think with budget decks and you being the you know the budget person at MTG Goldfish, um, you tell me if I'm thinking wrong. I'm personally, I'm not a budget player. I just build decks that I find interesting. And unfortunately they usually end up being like four to like $800 just because of the price phenomenon we're in right now. It's like a dispensable Um, hobby. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Uh, All the vacations I could have taken if I didn't have Magic the Gathering. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I feel like though with budget decks, you need a very low CMC because of the fact that you don't have access to things like a soul ring, for example, or you know those really efficient mana rocks or even lands. So you kind of have to have a very low curve just so you can actually do stuff. So you're not like, well, land pass, land pass, land pass. And then it's by, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, turn four or five before you're even doing anything. Is that a fair assessment or am I maybe thinking wrong? Um, I think, I think you, you, you are correct. Uh, like it, depending on how extreme the budget is, um, if something like Sol Ring is outside of the budget, Sol Ring's not too expensive these days. I think it's like two, three dollars, which I mean, it depends on on your budget, right? Like if you're going extreme budget, yep. Right. It's, it's not even on the table. And then you only have access to the most insane ramp stuff. Like the most insane of anything, any category is going to be expensive just inherently. The best ramp is yep. going to be too expensive, like smothering tithe and whatnot. Way too expensive. Um, the best anything, the best removal, whatever. Those yep. are often going to be uh, out, of, out of your budget range if you're going an extreme budget, like your 78% or 78 cent uh average decks for example um i think just in general though uh most most decks could could get some advantages out of lowering their mana curve even the more expensive ones and that's kind of what you see at like the higher end of the tables too uh the higher end of the pool uh a lot of people uh try to keep their their uh uh curve as low as possible and i think that's just like a general uh good deck building idea for for power level if you if you care about that uh, the faster your deck can can uh carry out its goal the faster and more consistently uh you have a chance to win the game um but yeah it, it's more important on a budget too because you just don't have uh the the, sure. the faster mana the, the more explosive mana to uh, go off for more higher end curve stuff makes sense makes sense well um Tuck, do you have any last thoughts before we dive into this? No, um, I think there's a lot of really interesting cards in here that I'm really excited to talk about. And like I said, I think for something that was cobbled together just to appease us two morons um, and with like such such restrictions as they were, I think it actually, it, it reads very efficient, very well. So I'm looking forward to diving more into it. Yeah, and I think the last comment I'll make, and I think it's very interesting because, Tomer, you're actually the opposite end of the spectrum to the previous two weeks episodes where it was Tuck and I's budget deck. One thing that we inherently saw is in our budget decks, we hardly had any mythic rares or rares. And it's just like, oh, well, of course, they're expensive. So obviously, oh, my gosh, I just looked at actually have. you actually have 22 mythic rares and rares combined. I think that's more. Which is just shocking. That's more than both of uh, our budget decks combined, right? <laughs> I know. I so, love reprints. I mean, yeah. <laughs> There's some yeah, cards that are like to... really good in the format that thankfully Wizards of the Coast has has been shoving into like every single pre-con. Like there's a certain Titan and that is like one of the best one of the best Titans out there. It's just a really, really efficient Titan. And um 
it's been reprinted to the ground, thankfully. So it's yep. like under a buck or whatever, um, which makes it which which is just a delight to have in there. But I, I guess I, I never really uh, considered rarity when when deck building. That's uh, mm -hmm. not something I filter for. But I guess it's cool that there's some there's some also some stuff here that's very niche that you don't really see outside of like mm -hmm. this sort of Orzov enchantress thing so sure. that inherently too if there's less demand on it the card isn't going to be too pricey which is good too yeah because i think it's something to where unless watsi is going to downshift the rarity of a card most of the times the rares and mythics are supposed to be the quote-unquote good cards in a set now it doesn't mean that they're going to be broken and so they're inherently expensive but usually it means that they're more powerful than your commons and uncommons and so i, th I think it's i think that probably speaks to why when we look through your deck it's like there's something here yeah. it's because you were able to put in 22 quote-unquote powerful cards and still keep it under a budget so uh kudos there even though uh, it wasn't something you were consciously thinking of. I think it was very cool how you were able to dig up some of these cards that kind of fit that mold. Thank you. So. Uh, all right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's get brewing. Uh, Tomer, obviously your deck. Let's start with you. What is your first grain card you think would be key for a Daxos budget deck? Well, uh, for for this particular build of auras, uh, any way of cheating on the mana, uh, any any powerful source of ramp on a budget is key. Like like we just discussed earlier, uh, we don't have access to soul ring. We don't have access to mana crypt. So there's one card that I would consider like the aura uh, soul ring, the plus plus even in this in this deck. Um, and it's it, it's a very inky style of, of dueling, I would yeah, say. And um, yeah, it, it's very much it doesn't read auras right on the card, which is really cool. It doesn't say anything about enchanters, <clears throat> enchantress or auras. And yet it just makes all of our, our enchant all of our auras insanely cost effective. Like as soon as this, this you got you, you just summon a duel, you send the guy into the shadow realm, into this empty realm. <laughs> Um, you suddenly can just like just vomit out your hands and and that th this one card I think uh, is is like yeah, integral for me. I, I think you and I are on the same page with this because this card is amazing. Three, two, one, Killian Ink Duelist. Yeah, what so, a banger. Uh, I'll read the card off and then Tomer. Uh, I think you know go into a little bit more detail about how amazing this card is because <laughs> this is phenomenal even though it doesn't say anything about enchantments it literally does what you want with your auras so for orzov guys that's a white and a black it's a legendary creature human warlock uncommon from strixhaven it's a 2-2 with lifelink menace and spells you cast that target a creature cost two less to cast and i think that is so cool that it doesn't even say a creature you control just a creature. Oh, that's so cool. So, Tober, why don't you give us a little bit more insight to Killian Ink Duelist? So, I actually brewed a Killian deck uh, for a backseat brew. I think it was like two or three weeks ago. Um, and this was an Orzov or a Voltron deck. Uh, it shared a lot oh, yeah. of yes. similar cards, but it was very much the auras instead of focusing on control and, and just incremental value. It was all about just like turning Killian into a lethal one-shot as quickly as inefficiently as possible so while it, it has a, it's the same archetypes um the fact that it's voltron instead of Col 
control makes it play incredibly differently. The exact opposite, kill, friend kill immediately, whereas this deck is trying to kill very slowly. Um, <laughs> death by death by spoon, I guess. Um, but but regardless, Killian in the 99 is going to be fantastic here because it's still an aura deck, and a lot of mm -hmm. the cards here uh, target creatures or uh, our own creatures or opposing creatures or some you know non-creatures as well. Um, and anytime we're targeting a creature with any of our auras, uh, we can pay for we can do uh, up to two colorless less, and that's just like yeah, insane. I, like if Killian's on the yeah. battlefield. Uh, we don't really need any other ramp, really, because yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we we still we still need some mana to do things. But oh my goodness, it's so insane. Yeah, I really like it because it's, and I think you hit the head, head uh, nail on the head, Tomer, to where this is kind of like your soul ring for the deck. So really, if you think about it, soul ring's a colorless. This is just two mana, so it's one more. But soul ring only works. Once. once and then that's it which is still great but the fact that if you have a bunch of your cheap auras which this deck is filled with them in theory you're almost just paying one mana to cast all of them so one mana here one mana here one mana here because you're constantly getting that two reduction so i think this is one of those cards that people may not inherently think of when they think of a let's just call it target creature deck mm -hmm. Because, you know, uncommon, it's only a quarter. It's not like super sexy or anything, but it's a sneaky, sneaky good card that could probably fit into a lot of decks. I agree with all your guys' points. Um, the card is busted, especially for a quarter. And I think one thing that's, even though this isn't a Commander Voltron build, the fact that he comes stapled with Lifelink and Menace, mean that he's going to be able to go into the red zone, is actually pretty critical, because there are a lot of things in this deck where it's like, pay X life, pay X life, pay X life, right? That kind of will nickel and dime yourself to maybe like down 10 or 15 that can easily be pumped up by him with his Menace and his Lifelink on his own. Mm-hmm. Yep, completely agree. Um, or, right. or if you will, they will dinks and dunks you, as opposed to trips and grabs you. Jeez. Nice. Oh, with with the dad jokes as always. Um, all right. Well, so obviously that was my first one. So my second one, uh, I just wanted to I wanted to go a little bit more in detail about the secret commander of the deck. Ah. Uh, so we're going to be talking about Ephemia the Cacophony. So we talked about it during the Weatherlight report, but I wanted to give it a little bit more spotlight specifically about how Tomer built this deck. So colorless black legendary enchantment creature harpy, which is great because all those enchantment creatures trigger on Daxos. Um, it's a two one with flying and it's a rare from Theros Beyond Death at 13 cents. So uh, it has flying and at the beginning of your end step, you may exile enchantment card from your graveyard if you do create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. So the number one negative when it comes to auras versus equipments is that when the creature that the aura has gets killed, the aura is gone. It's yep. in your graveyard. And so that's why a lot of people, I think, migrate more to the equipment side and also why you probably see more equipments are higher on the price tag. It's because of the fact they are reusable. But Ephemia actually makes amazing sense for this deck because you all you really care about is you want that experience counter from casting the enchantment and yeah you know you may get some cool benefits from the aura uh but eventually someone's gonna board wipe someone's gonna remove it whatever and even if someone exiles the creature the enchantment still goes to the graveyard 
And now what this allows you to do, and I think it's a great grain card, is you get to exile those auras that essentially are useless outside of the few recursion stuff that you have to make a 2-2 blocker. That's basically the way I'm looking at this is, hey, I'm going to recycle this card that I already got an experience counter off of. I got the effect that it provided when it entered the battlefield. Um, and I made someone waste a removal on it. Well, let's add a fourth a benefit and create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. Yeah, and, and I agree, and I think the same thing that stacks with this that does with Killian is like, again, this is something that you can just suit up with all, this, the, all these auras you have and start blasting people in the face in the red zone. Yeah, I, I think like most of the auras, um, a lot of the auras are mostly there just to like cantrip and be super efficient and, and uh, trigger a bunch of things. But they do have a bunch of useful abilities on them I mean, it could be lifelink it could be a little bit of a pump or whatever and then having it on an evasive beater is just is just really nice uh but yeah mm -hmm. yeah i i think um i think i think that's all true like with ephemia is that it's just it's an enchantment itself so it already triggers all these enchanters matters cards like that so it's yep. super efficient too you don't have to pay any extra mana and as we already discussed earlier like the, the, the next mana is is okay it's okay <laughs> but any way to be like as efficient as possible is highly recommended. Daxos already is a big mana dump because you still have to pay three mana to make every single token. Mm -hmm. yep. But Ephemia does it for free. And we don't need we don't necessarily need uh, all the auras and whatnot once they're in the graveyard. We have there, there are some decks, uh, some ways to recur them afterwards. But it's also just perfect to just get a 2-2 zombie. And the next turn you get a 2-2 zombie. Eventually it will deter attacks. And eventually as uh, a lot of the deck makes tokens, eventually you just reach a critical mass. Um, and then you can start attacking with them and close out the game. Yeah, and I think the last point, uh, going back to the fact that it's also an enchantment, is Tomer, all of your other green cards that reduce the cost of your enchantments, people just don't think to think that the enchantment creature is also mm. applied to it. So mm -hmm. very likely when you are ready to cast Ephemia, you're casting it for a black. Which, I mean, it's still, you know, it's it's only two mana, so it's only a one reduction. But that can add up when you may have a grip of auras that you're trying to get as much value and get through the deck and get as many experience counters as you can. Having it just be one is, is great. So, awesome card. Glad you were able to uh, secretly brew it uh, for from a weatherlight. Couldn't make it in the command so, zone, but it's, 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 it's all right. <laughs> you always need a backup, man. You always so, need a backup. Uh, Tuck, what is your first grain card? So I want to talk about a card that lets you pay life and draw cards, <laughs> but doesn't necessarily have the potence to do it when you want. Hmm. Oh, okay. I guess no one else. Uh, I get it. I know. <laughs> uh, so Necro Necrologia uh, is a really interesting card, and I chose it not because it's a great fit for this deck, but because I want to talk to Tomer about it. Um, so three colorless, double black, for an instant. Uh, cast it only during your end step. As additional cost to cast Necrologia, pay X life, draw X cards. So, um... I got keen on this card because I used to own like 10 copies of this when I was younger. I was like, this card's trash. <laughs> How am I supposed to draw any sort of cards off it? But then I got reinduced to it with Tomer, your uh, Toshiro deck, right? Into which this oh, yeah. card's a complete all-star. So I think like as the game has progressed, the 
the ratios of pain life and mana to draw cards have kind of been all over this place. This card hasn't been reprinted in a really long time. Um, so Tomer, my question mostly is around like, do you put, since you've seen the success with Toshiro, is this a, now a kind of standard card that you are running more because you see the efficiency in the draw and everything else that goes into it? Yeah, absolutely. I think this card is kind of busted uh, in, in, in most in most black decks. There there are obviously downsides to it because um, you're going to pay a lot of life. Usually I, I cast this for like 10 minimum. Right. Yeah. Because um, I'm crazy. Um, and, and then you yeah, it's also your end step, so you can't really take advantage of those cards immediately. Unless you're into yeah. Shiro, and then it's all upside, it doesn't matter, because they're all instants, so who cares? Right. Um, in this deck, you're playing it more fairly. Uh, you're just, you know, paying five mana at your end step, draw ten or whatever. Um, and then you don't, get to, you don't get access to the cards until your next turn cycle. And you probably will have some opponents who are like, oh no, he drew ten. Plus cards. Right. Yep. Um, we, we just talked about that in our Council of the Unbanned, where we talked about unbanning Yagmoth's will, which is a whole different oh. discussion. And but yes, we talked a lot about no, no, you mean, no, uh, we, bargain. Yagmoth's bar yeah. bargain. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and we did, but like that was a whole a lot of that was is it scary that you're just drawing is like is the real threat that you just drew a bunch of cards which all all of which could just be complete junk or lands or whatever. So same idea with this, I would argue. Well, yeah, I, I would say this card is significantly worse just because you don't have access to the cards immediately. Unless, right, yeah. yeah. Unless you have access, you can play them on Flash or whatever. Um, sure. So even though even though it's not like it's best case scenario in this deck, I still think it's kind of insane. Like just paying 10 life or paying 10 life, paying five mana, drawing 10 cards. Um, this deck has a lot of like incremental card advantage, but sometimes mm. you just really need some burst drop. You just yeah, need that, to refill the pan entire hand. Yeah. yeah. And also like the dream is like you fill your graveyard with a bunch of auras and enchantments or whatever, and then you yeah. mass reanimate them on your next turn. And that's just like right. that's just the best ever. That's the best thing ever. But, yeah, I don't really <laughs> yeah, like that was it. the <laughs> that was the point that I was gonna make. And you know, Tomer, I do this a lot with my playgroup. I probably shouldn't say this on a cast that they're all listening to. Uh, but uh there's nothing better than you know, oh, I have to discard down to hand size and <laughs> yeah. start throwing stuff in the graveyard. Right. And it's like, me. oh gosh, he, like they threw a bunch of good stuff in there, man. He, you know, Mr. Combo must uh, really be hurting right now because I literally did that uh, two uh, 40 life and a dash Sundays ago with the uh, Silver Quill deck. I threw Zatalpa in the graveyard and I was like, oh man, when am I ever going to cast this expensive. nine drop? And then yeah. the next turn I reanimated <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, so yeah, there, there's nothing better than kind of doing that decoy of the, the boy who cried. I just need to, but then the next I just need to land, guys. I just need to land. Yeah, I, I, drew ten, land. I drew 20, I only needed to land, right? <laughs> At least I found a land. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Tomer, I think you have one more grain left. What is your last grain card? All right. So I'll make it a little bit harder for you because you guys are good at these. Um, so if people know me uh, in, in terms of commander, I often daydream about about card draw. And there's one card here that it's on theme. It's flavorful. It's probably one of my favorite cards in its color. And it draws a lot of cards and it just kind of makes like if, if I ever have to choose an archetype, if this if the archetype can run it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is this is this is me. This is what I like. 
and uh, this is a this is a deck that definitely can uh, take a lot of uh, a lot of what this deck is doing and just condense it into sweet sweet goodness. And it's my favorite card in the entire deck. Can I wager a guess? Uh, I don't, I, my card is not dealing with draw cards at all. My choice is it Promise of Power because I know you're keen on that one as well. Damn it's it. Not. All right. Well, what is it? I'm curious. Uh, it is Sage's Reverie. With Reverie being oh, yeah. uh, yes. a pleasantly lost in a, in a daydream. <laughs> wow. So, oh, my God. What? <laughs> wow. What a that's, lead. Uh, that, that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, yeah. Why, why don't you read off that card uh, for us? And uh, I, I don't even think it needs an explanation of why it's your favorite. Yeah. So <laughs> Sage's Reverie is a four mana white enchantment. Um, aura. Uh, it's enchant creature. When Sage's Reverie enters the battlefield, draw a card for each aura you control that's attached to a creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one plus one for each aura you control that's attached to a creature. Uh, this is my favorite card in the entire deck, and it's like one of my favorite, one of the reasons why I love uh, auras as an archetype so much. Um, this deck is all about auras, all about enchanting stuff uh, with cheap, efficient uh, auras. And then this is a, one of the biggest payoffs. Like once it enters the battlefield, you're often drawing four or five cards just off it. And also it acts as a finisher because whatever you enchant with it um, becomes this, this huge monster that has to now be dealt with. Um, so it does it does the heavy lifting in the deck and it's, it's my, one of my favorite cards in white. Um, and we already mentioned these two cards already, but Killian and Fimia are great candidates for both of it. Fimia has flying and Killian has menace and lifelink. So you put, you put this on either one of them and it's going to do some serious damage. Any evasive beater, um, is going to just absolutely love this. But even if you don't like, even if you just draw like five cards, whatever, it's amazing. So, uh, yeah. also this card also might well, might as well read big tuck some moron because it just occurred to me today that this says that's attached to a creature and plus one plus one, uh, something that's attached to a creature, not the one it's enchanting because I've only ever seen this yeah. in a in aura builds that are Voltron. So wow, yeah, that's card's that's, way better. Yeah, that's kind of why I'm hot on the card is because of the fact that usually cards like these read uh, attached to this creature or just one specific creature or target creature, something like yeah. that. But the fact that it just kind of looks at your entire board, oh. it it, it, it deters away from the, oh, well, I have to load everything up on one and do like a Voltron strategy. You could still kind of sprinkle your auras around and you're still getting all of the benefit of the card. And Mr. Combo, to, to, to refine your point, you look at the entire board because it's not the creatures you control. So if someone else is playing Voltron. Oh God, I didn't even think of that. Right, so if someone else is playing Aura, Voltron, or an Enchantress deck, you are also no. reading the benefits because it's attached no. to a no, creature. It does say Aura you oh, control. Yeah. So or you control. Oh, okay, gotcha. Auras. So now, granted, it does still look at the whole board if you are sitting around. Yes, yes, fair stuff. point. It doesn't actually have to be physically. Around. Yeah, and this deck also has removal that is enchanting opposing creatures uh, right. to tell mm -hmm. to nullify them. Some sort of just like basically pacify the creature so they can't really do anything. Now, those are some of my favorite mm -hmm. removal spells because they're super efficient and they count them too. So yeah, it's like not yeah. you don't have to put it all in the same creature. You put it all in any creature, and then which is really which is really fun. It works perfectly in the deck. 
Awesome, guys. Uh, Tuck, I, you got one more. Why don't you wrap up the green section? Uh, this is going to be a quick one because I don't know how we all, every single person I've ever talked to, <laughs> happened to miss that this card that came out earlier this year in the first set of 17. Starhine Closer, two colors and a white for a creature Pegasus 2 2. Flying, artifacts and enchantment spells you cast cost one less to cast. Why is no one talking about this card? It's nine cents. This is Great. insane. Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, like, um, not only is it a wind drake in white, um, so it's completely worth this mana cost, but also aura, uh, artifact and enchantment spells, not auras, not equipment, any sort of blanket statement. I like I reread this card like four times. I was like, why do I not own four copies of this? <laughs> why has I not heard anyone else talk about this out in the multiverse? Just a complete banger um, for this card and or for this deck rather, and like any deck that cares about either of these two archetypes. I mean, could an argument be made since it is only nine cents, it does have evasion, and it's only three mana? Do you maybe just, is this a mono or is this a white standard? Because most decks that have white probably have, let's just call it five to eight mana rods. Oh, at least. And usually they have, you know, five or six enchantments. And I think if, you know, roughly 14 or 15% of your deck is impacted by a card, it probably justifies putting the card in the deck, well, wouldn't you say? Well, why don't you, like, this is a, this card, I just realized this, this card's a slam dunk for my Voltron Partners deck and Jeskai. Because all it's playing, oh, all, yeah. all it's playing are artifacts and enchantments of Voltron or like like board control. I mean, I, I think you guys nailed it. Uh, it really depends. Like whenever you look at any sort of discount card, the real question you have to do you have to do when you're comparing it to another ramp card is basically, will I get its discount every single turn consistently? Um, in mm -hmm. this deck, it has twenty eight plus five, it has 34, op, uh, 34 targets that it works with. Wow. Actually, it works with more than that because I'm not even counting the creatures. creatures. Yeah, there's some enchantment yeah. creatures. So it's like it's like 30 or so, thir or, yeah, no, uh, 40 or so uh, cards that it ramps out. So I, I would say consistently every single turn, you're going to get one discount. So it's basically already there with like a Mind Stone, for example. Right, exactly. Mind Stone is going to mm -hmm. tap for one every single turn, no matter what. Uh, this one is more situational, but if you can hit it every single turn, then it's already as good as a Mind Stone. If you can get the discount more than once every single turn cycle, it's now better than a Mind Stone, right. and it's a staple for the deck, I would say. Um, yeah. So it's it's as good at the very worst if in your decks where it's like 40% of the deck you can play, uh, and then it can be much better than that if you are chaining together multiple things and getting discounted even further. Because then it's essentially tapping for like two or three even right, if you right, can cast right. three things off it. Yeah, 100%, 100%. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap up the green section. Now we're going to head over to the hot profile, and I will kick this one off uh, with a, a card that uh, kind of goes into the Staxi piece that Tomer talked <laughs> about. It is also an enchantment creature. Oh, damn it. Uh, and it is an agent of darkness, one would say. Uh, we are talking about Agent of Erebos. Yes, it's uh, insane. This card is phenomenal. Uh, three colorless black enchantment creature zombie. Hey, zombie tribal, let's go. Uh, it's an uncommon, it's 2-2, two, two, and it's coming around a quarter. 
Um, and it does have Constellation. Uh, Constellation basically says on this, whenever Agent of Erebus or another enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, exile all cards from target player's graveyard. It's not just one card, which is, you know, when I first glance at the card, I'm like, oh, okay, it's probably just gonna exile target card from a graveyard. No, the entire graveyard is gone. And I think with what we've seen in the last 18 to 24 months is somewhat of a renaissance of more Graveyard Matters decks. Not necessarily like where we're constantly reanimating, but it's just more the Graveyard's a second hand. Let me use these uh, resources a second or third time. Very much like my terrible Jeskai flashback deck. <laughs> um, so, and like like we talked about, there's 29 enchantments in the deck at a minimum, not even counting the enchantment creatures. So I think this is another one, Tomer, to like your point with the uh, Starheim Courser, this is a card to where if you can consistently get one activation each turn, then it's basically like I'm bajuka bogging a person every single one of my turns. And yeah. it fits into one of your one of your eight uh, Tomer pathways <laughs> to success of building a deck, <laughs> aka yeah. graveyard hate. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've respected graveyard decks for a very long time. When I first got into Commander, this was with the original precons, uh, Commander twenty eleven, um, and one per we my play group, each of us basically picked up a precon and we started just. Uh, playing with them, and that's how I got introduced to the format. Um, and one of the precons uh, was Carador Ghost Chieftain, I believe. Um, oh, Mister oh, Mr. Combo is very familiar. Yeah, and and this the person who who built it he immediately upgraded he was one of the oldest uh, magic the gathering players in the group he had a lot of cards that worked really really well in carador and he souped up his deck and basically we were just all at the mercy of him because we had a lot of removal <laughs> a lot of creature removal but it did not matter because carador just would always cost three or whatever because he had a sure. has his half his library in his graveyard on like turn two or whatever because he had like a hermit druid or something like that um and it was incredibly difficult we we just we had answers to his board but it didn't matter because the recursion was too good and then eventually i was like all right eureka moment maybe i should run a little bit more graveyard than like a single <laughs> bajuka bog in my deck with no tutors um sure so i started finding adding like expedition map to find the bajuka bog and stuff like that and then i added a little bit more and then i was like you know what i have a zedru deck and i don't have any recursion i have like one side and tons titan why don't i just put rest in peace in my deck and then i donate to him to just like really rub it in um <laughs> and uh yeah, he stopped playing carador against me but i walked away with with an important lesson that uh basically every single deck these days is a graveyard like every deck has some amount of graveyard recursion it just yep. makes good sense just to have like card draw or removal you want also graveyard recursion but like a lot of decks these days or graveyard decks even the ones you don't even think are are supposed to be graveyard decks like land decks any land deck wants like crucible of worlds and, and all that stuff and just is playing with their graveyard at all times a lore hold just went full graveyard too like boros the lore hold deck went full uh, graveyard so tomer your 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 own your own uh pet deck uh toshiro is effectively yeah. a graveyard deck right even yeah, though it's it cries. Black it cries when, when somebody puts yeah. a big bajuka bog <laughs> and hits all the stuff that i had in there uh 
half the deck's value is gone. So it definitely hurts me yeah. a lot as well. And like I'm, most of my half my decks are also uh, if you wipe my graver and I'm very sad. I don't think I have a single deck that doesn't have graver recursion. And most of some of them are even just entirely focused like the Shiro. So uh, Alien Revorbos is kind of insane in that regard. Um, it's either, it's also the same with Daxos because Daxos's tokens are enchantments. So you can trigger Constellation at instant speed. Oh my. So oh, somebody's right. going for like a reanimate or something on your turn and you have Daxos in the battle with you and you have three mana up. You just make an enchantment creature, trigger constellation, boom, it's gone. And it's like, nice. okay. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, and I think, Tober, to your point about how decks that you may not even think are graveyard decks kind of have that. And I think the perfect example is on episode two of Brews and Builds, we talked about my first deck I ever built, uh, Karametra, God of Harvest, and it's a angel elf deck. So it's like, well, how is that graveyard? Well, every cast I'm getting a land and I run a Myria Shepherd in the mm. deck. Uh, and so, and, and Tuck's been on the receiving end of this to where I will just get filthy right. things back from my graveyard. You know, the Ar uh, the Avacyn Angel of Hopes of the world and RIP Iona at, <laughs> at one point. Um, so yeah, you know, I think Angel of Erebos as a card, once again, in this deck, you're gonna get it every turn no matter what. So that's amazing. And to your point, Daxos can make it. But I think guys, when you look at your decks that have black and you're like, well, should I be running an Agent of Erebos? I would say if you at least have 50, enchantments in the deck yeah it's, it's pretty, it's pretty easy running. you may not get it every single turn but exiling someone's graveyard even every other turn for you just playing the game is still very powerful all right tuck what is your first hops card so this is a card that i've always been very interested in it is from the trash set that we correctly identified as throne of eldraine um and isn't <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it yeah trash nothing the flavor good of it though i'm so sad <laughs> Uh, oh no, our, ours is complete sarcasm. Uh, uh, yeah. That was our very one or two episode of our, our new set review. We started yeah. that, uh -huh. and uh, we we it was our first deck review, and and me and Tuck trashed it, and then obviously the, the yeah, like, uh, almost, almost, almost once an episode we're like oh hey here's this like here's this card from this trash set that's like maybe one of the best two cards in the deck <laughs> um so this one <laughs> i guess it could have foretold us oh of the doom that we were writing our own <laughs> worlds with so doom foretold i think is a, is a pretty easy slam dunk in here so two colorless norzov that's a white and a black for an enchantment at the beginning of each player's upkeep each player's upkeep, that player sacrifices a non-land, non-token permanent. Again, each player's yep. each player's upkeep. Uh, if the player can't, they discard a card, lose two life, you draw a card, you gain two life, and then you create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance, and you sacrifice to him foretold. So for me, the way that this deck is built is that even though it does affect you, it's meaningless because you have a lot of yep. other things in your graveyard. Uh, like the, like I said, like with the backup commander, this is like catnip to it, right? You're, or like worst case scenario, you just sacrifice Doom Foretold and there you go. But the fact that it's not a choice, right? There's a lot of these cards where it's like, you may sacrifice a creature or pay three life or, you know, discard a card or whatever. The fact that it's any non-land, non-token permanence, if someone's playing Enchantress, guess what? 
Adios land tax, right? Adios, whatever else you want, right? You're always going to lose something out. Um, that's where I think the, the real ceiling of the card is. Again, I can't imagine it's going to happen very often, but worst case scenario, you also get some sort of incremental value out of it. But in Commander, the two life, the four life difference, a two, two creature and a card isn't as exciting as something that's going to persist and be a thorn in your, be a thorn in your opponent's ass turn after turn after turn. Yeah, and I, before Tomer, before you go, this card is giving me PTSD because <laughs> this thing would wreck me in a room oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. when the came out. Because it basically turned into, I have to take a turn off so they sacrifice it, and then maybe I can start playing stuff, but then they would just play another Doom Portal. <laughs> and it's just like, FML, <laughs> why am I even playing this? Yeah, this card is, is, is kind of low-key. It's mean, but it's not too mean. And I try right, to not yeah. go like super yeah. mean because I know most most your average player doesn't want to be like denied the ability to play the game. But this is more of just like a incremental removal spell that eventually will go away, maybe. Um, but it, it won't it won't take out your entire board. It's like a very delayed board wipe that just keeps pecking away at you. Right. Um, and <laughs> just I, like I little, just like a fish, just like yeah, just like a little bit out of a shark. Yeah, and Tuck, uh, Big Tuck, you you actually nailed it with like the the sacrifice thing was um, is not even the appealing part. Like if it gets sacrificed, it kind of sucks. Uh, right, if it gets yeah. sacrificed early, it's it's most, mostly there to just constantly stack like smoke yeah, every somebody. turn, every turn, yeah. every turn, every turn. Yeah, yeah. And this deck has like a bunch of these auras that their main job is to enter the battlefield, trigger constellation, enchantress, draw a card, and then they can go. You could just sacrifice them, or if you have Daxes on the battlefield, if you have no other non-land permanents and it triggers on your upkeep in response to the trigger, you can just yeah, make three. make one. Yeah, yeah, make a token. You just sacrifice or whatever. It's a token deck in, in, well, essentially. You you actually. Can't can't sacrifice the token because it is non-token permanent. Oh, whoops. Oh, that was, yeah. that was oh. the thing I was going to say that I actually like more about the card uh, is yeah. you know, we've out. talked about how you know you getting auras and stuff into the graveyard is fine because you got recursion, you got a femia, blah, blah, blah. But usually this whole making your opponent sacrifices, you know, like a, a Butcher of Malakir, suck because the token <laughs> players are like oh yeah. Yeah. audio self war yeah. that works better then <laughs> yeah, I, I, better. I thought it was going to be bad against tokens but i guess it's actually good <laughs> Yeah, no, it's amazing huh. because then it, honestly what you're doing is you're either forcing them to sack their commander that's probably making the tokens or making them sack some other piece that they really it's don't want yeah of. so yeah, this thing is a powerhouse. And once again, that's the reason that I hated it in Arena is because it's the non-token right. thing. And it's like, great, all the cheap stuff that I don't care about losing, I can't even get rid of to this thing. <laughs> So, yeah. so just just all right all star well uh tomer what is your first hop card uh my first hop card uh is something that often spells doom to my opponents once i resolve it Oof. um it's the best i think i think in secret i already know it i didn't choose it this is i think this is in secret the best card in the deck <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this card, this card, just, when, just, I, when just I say this is a control deck, it's a control deck. Just let it rip. Just let, let it rip. rip. <laughs> it's it's Doomwake Giants. Yes. Uh, Doomwake Giants is a five mana, a four and, and a black uh, enchantment creature giant, and it has Constellation, which says, whenever Doomwake Giant or another enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, creatures your opponent's control get negative one, negative one until end of turn, and it's a four it's, six. It's um, the best card in the deck, like there's yeah, no argument. It's an enchantment it's deck, so most most cards here trigger it. Uh, Daxos can trigger it on demand, uh, because he makes enchantment creatures uh, with his ability. Um, and it's a one-sided ref. It does not affect your own board. It does not yes. affect your own creatures. 
Um, so your opponents basically are in a situation where it enters the battlefield and probably that same turn is going to wipe your opponent's creatures if you have follow up like cheap enchantments auras uh, to, to kind of trigger it a bunch of times. Um, and then afterwards, your opponents are basically in a position where they can't replay creatures onto the battlefield until they get rid of the giant. Uh, so they're in just yep. they're they're in a sad state, uh, and they would very much like to kill you, but they can't because they have no more creatures. Um, and also, it's just really nice because yeah, it's also enchantment itself, so it triggers Daxos. It gets the cost reductions, um, and there are ways to return from the graveyard even, which is really cool. So yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's com it's completely yeah. completely bonkers. So the, the the couple points that I wanted to make on it: a, I like that it's a four or six that it has a big butt. Um, I, I really enjoy that because it's a great blocker. But I think the thing, Tomer, and you kind of mentioned this earlier with another card with Constellation with Dax's ability to be able to do it at instant speed. What's like the number one blowout in green? It's Crater Hoof. Like we, we all, <laughs> and usually it's with a bunch of one ones yeah. or two twos, something like that. So the nice thing is that even if, you know, you did your Doom Wake, you board wiped them, token decks can come back like gangbusters. But all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm killing Tomer. Crater Hoof, you know, ability on the stack. You could just pay three mana, board wipe them. And it's like, okay, well, your Crater Hoof lived, but it's just going to get, you know, uh, what, plus one, plus one, or, or whatever it would be. Uh, but they won't have their other 15 tokens that maybe they did to try to take you out. So yeah. the fact that this can be instant speed, just like the uh, Agent of Erebos, let me get rid of stuff as I get new information, I think that's very powerful. Yes. And the fact that you could do it at instant speed, kind of leads into the way that I like to play to where if I could do something on, you know, at any point, I actually like holding off until the last possible mm -hmm. second, because, you know, even even if it's a simple ramp type of effect, it's like, well, I don't know what else is going to happen. Something else may impact my decision to do this. So the fact that Doomwake, it's like, well, I was going to make, you know, three Daxos triggers, but I'll hold off. And, you know, just and then everyone's like, well, do I even want to play anything? Because Tomer could just right, yeah. make three enchantments and board wipe me. Again. So then you're making your opponents not even do stuff. And then it's like, oh, well, you're in step before my turn. I'll go ahead and make my three guys kill whatever you had out there. Uh, and then, you know, you go about your business. You basically made your opponents take their turns off, which is amazing. Yeah, they'll hate you, but they can't do anything about it. That's the great thing. Right. Like, <laughs> if you're going to be arch enemy, you better make sure that they can't swing back at you. <laughs> and this one definitely does that. <laughs> For sure. All right. Well, my last hop card, I didn't even know this card existed. It's under a dime. It has flash and it's an aura. And it allows you, when you're killing your opponent's creatures, to, you know what, maybe I take one of them. Maybe, maybe I want it under my control. So we're talking about Minion's Return. Uh, this card is banana hammock. Yeah, it's quite so, good. Two colorless black, enchantment aura. It's an uncommon from uh, TBD, Ferris Beyond Death. Uh, like I said, it's under a dime. It has flash, enchant creature. When enchanted creature dies, return that card to the battlefield under your control. So I, I believe most people are probably thinking I'm putting that on my best creature so then that way I can get it back. And, and Mr. Combo will say nay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, unless Daxos has gotten to the point where he's like, I don't know, uh, 13 to recast, you know, it's like super uh, expensive. Maybe you throw it on Daxos because it's like, I'm in Orzov, you know, I'm not really spitting out 30 mana a turn. <laughs> uh, I'm probably putting it on your best thing. And then I'm going to figure out a way to kill it. And I love it because it works with cards 
I yes, it does work with cards as long as it's, I believe, your opponent's turn like even a Kozilek that has a monster mass shuffle effect because their trigger will go on the stack to shuffle it, but then your trigger is going to go on top of Ooh. it to resolve first. Boom, you're stealing, you know, the <laughs> yeah. stuff that normally is that. impossible. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know that. That's uh, uh, no, it, spicy. It, I like that. It's, a, yeah, it's, the, it's, the it's what we call a... If it's on you. Sweaty card. <clears throat> Sweaty card. So, yeah, it... it it won't work on your turn just because your trigger will go on the stack and then their monster yeah. mash goes on top. But as long as it's your opponent's turn, any of your opponents, you're getting those monster mash cards. But, you know, and that's top end. But even bottom end, the, the only thing you wouldn't be able to do, I believe, would be commanders. Just because yes. even though death triggers are here, they would just say, I'm putting it straight to the command zone. It's not even going to hit the graveyard. I believe that's the way that would I work. I think that's true. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, amazing card. And with all the recursion you have and, um, you know, we, we didn't talk about it in the grains, but you have Sun Titan. Could you imagine? Like, let me steal your best creature. Yes, my ore goes to the graveyard, but then I, I'll attack with Sun Titan. I'll get it back, put it on another creature. I'm going to steal that. You almost become a theft deck which yes. I, I know wasn't initially the intention, but I think that's super, super special. And I can confirm the commander thing because I tried to get effed out of that from Tegrid from single Aeron. Oh and, I, and I got into a very heated argument because I was quite drunk, which I, which I ended up being correct because yes, even though the commander does die and see all the die triggers, you do retain priority on top of that to move it to the command zone. So you couldn't get it back. But outside of that, you are 100% correct on every other interaction that you just described. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think the card's super fun too. Like I just I've had a lot of fun casting it in response to a board wipe. You know, somebody somebody else yeah. wipes the board and I'm like, "Oh, that's a really cool eternal witness you got. Yoink, get the regrowth <laughs> effect to have a sacrificial body. Uh, it's all good." And Mr. Combo, I know we're going slightly out of turn, but my choice pairs perfectly with this for the exact reasons you described. Do you mind if I go ahead okay. with it? Okay. No, so, no, go ahead. Feel free. Just like, just in similar scope to how I know how imposing my will or what Thanos would think, this card is in fact inevitable. <laughs> because it's inevitable end. So two colorless and a black for an enchantment aura, enchant creature. Enchant creature has at the beginning of your upkeep sacrifice a creature. So the reason why I think That's so it's mean. super mean. And like I think the reason why this works so well with the other one that you're talking about playing at flash speed is like the options are limitless on this, right? Where usually if you're even if you're running a Voltron deck, you at least have one utility creature or one other big creature that you also want to keep around. So now, and Mr. Combo and I have talked a lot about this Tomer of these like opponent modal cards where you're not doing anything, right? Well, you're doing something, but you're not do you're not making any choice. You're like, hey, opponent, this is your choice, right? Like, this is just a card I'm playing. It's up to you. <laughs> so you can like really easily put people in a pickle where they're gonna have to be making this like total Sophie's choice of okay, this is on my commander, but I have these other creatures that I need to make my commander good, or these other creatures that I want on the battlefield. Is it worth it just to get it over with and then sacrifice my yeah. commander right now, or do I just like in some scope to like doom foretold know that over course after course after course i'm going to keep losing out on these other utility creatures so again i i think you talked a lot tomer about the targeted the removal that is targeted that is not targeted removal in this deck and i think mm -hmm. this is one of the more interesting ones that you have yeah it's a it's another fun one it's really good 
against non-token decks, essentially. Ooh. If it's against a token deck, yep. then it'll be like, whatever, I will 1-1, one, one, yeah. I'll sacrifice it. So Audio it's not a good target there, but... Yeah. For any other deck, it's like, you'll have creatures on the battlefield. Maybe you have the option of what you want to sacrifice. Uh, so maybe it's not going to get the best thing every single time. Uh, but it's going to chip away at them. And also, if they just have one creature on the battlefield, and you just inevitable end them. Well, that, that one's dead. Yeah, three mana <laughs> removal spell. <laughs> it's an aura, it's an enchantment. It has all that good synergy, so it works. Yeah. Yeah, you just gotta be careful that you don't put it on a secret graveyard deck, and they're like, great! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, what a miracle! What a miracle. Wonderful. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, Tober, uh, you're the last one. What is your last hop card? Um, so if somebody's uh, denying me card draw, I'm feeling very wrathful, and uh, I'm looking Ooh. to wipe the board. Oh, yeah, and this card's bonkers. Yeah, I, I, I don't oh. really like causing doom all the time, but sometimes I just want to just blow away my opponents, but leave my stuff untouched. I don't want to blow up my own stuff. I like my stuff. Um, so should I say the thing? Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're, yeah, we're go ahead. We're oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so we're done. All right, so yeah, so good. Winds of Wrath, uh, this is... One, a really good board wipe as well in the deck. Um, yeah. yeah, It's a five mana, uh, three and double white uh, sorcery that says destroy all creatures that aren't enchanted and they can't be regenerated. Um, so again, this is an aura deck and it has a lot of these, just full of these like sheep auras that uh, cantrip and that's their main job. Um, so mm -hmm. chances are you'll probably come across like three of them or whatever by the time you want to wipe the board. You enchant all your creatures with these random auras that are there for other reasons. And now suddenly they're protected from the Winds of Wrath. And then you just wipe the board of all non-enchanted creatures. And you're going to save most of the stuff that you wanted on your side of the board. And your opponents are going to lose basically everything. Um, so I, I really like it there. It's five mana, asymmetrical board but There is some super <clears throat> spicy tech with that. Because you can do that if you've put inevitable end on one of your opponent's creatures, <laughs> that creature is going to live, oh! and then they're going to have a sacrifice thing going that they can't get rid of. <laughs> so I really like that, especially even if you threw it on like their indestructible Blightsteel Colossus. Know, uh, there you go, yeah, yeah. Razi or something. It's like, hey, usually a board wipe you're safe from uh, inevitable yeah. end. That's I rude. Suck it. You will lose everything. It'll just be an. Yeah, I think and, and Tomer, like again, as you talk, as we talk about like budget options, right? A lot of the things that are like standards or staples index, like generic board wipes, generic removal, that sort of thing, they're kind of expensive. So again, like as you're, as you're building a budget deck, you have to like be cautious of that. It's like, do I really want to burn $5 of this deck or 10th of this deck price on a Wrath of God when I can spend 14 yeah. cents on a card that's going to be arguably better for one more mana for the way that the deck works, right? And that's why I think this card is so interesting just as how it's printed. Yeah. Yep, completely agree. I think I think auras are this weird territory where they've covered Enchantress before with a pre-con and thankfully they didn't really take off. Um, right. And a lot of the really cool cards are super cheap. Um, I don't know how long that will last, but for now, it's it's really yeah. it's really fun to see. Like these cards are really powerful, uh, but because people don't really play the aura decks, uh, you yeah, can yeah. get away with with buying like a fourteen cents staple of the deck and and be really happy about it. So exactly. Yeah. And point of order, uh, Winds of Wrath is just inherently better than Crux of Fate. <laughs> Suck it. How dare you? How dare you? It's that's his fault for not running dragons. 
<laughs> no dragons. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up the hop section. Now we're going to start into the yeast package, and there's only five options. So actually, guys, I think instead of us trying to do this whole rigmarole, I say we just go down the list. Uh, most yeah. likely we, we're, we're matched up on a bunch, but at least this way we kind of get to talk about them. And I'm even thinking the same thing for Spice because we only have three. We'll, um, we'll get to Spice in a second. So there, <laughs> there's a card that is put there that does not belong there in any way, shape or form. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so I'll start by reading the very first card. Johnny's Chosen. Oh my gosh, this thing is so amazing. It wrecks in my Estrid yes. deck. So Johnny's Chosen is two colorless, white, white, creature, cat, soldier. It's a rare, it's a three, three. And whenever an enchantment ETBs under your control, make a two, two white uh, kitty cat uh, token. And if that enchantment is an aura, you may attach it to the token, which uh, is pretty great as well. Cause you could throw those little cat right, right, right. things on there to kind of spread the love, if you will. Um, yeah, I mean, with as many enchantments as you have, this is phenomenal, um, or auras, I should say. And like we talked about, you have some of these cards to where it just counts, you know, auras you control. And so this kind of allows you to diversify your aura portfolio, if we're talking oh, corporate oh, speed. <laughs> <laughs> where, you know, a single uh, best removal spell in all of magic oh, doesn't immediately take away all your value. It's kind of sprinkled. And so now it, you're making your opponents, once again, modal choice. Man, they, they have that amazing card out there that cares about all the auras. But I don't want to board wipe because I have a bunch of good stuff too. Right? Am I am I just gonna bite the bullet and do it? Am I gonna maybe wait to see if someone else has an answer? And then when you have your aura spread out, you just talked about it. Your winds of wrath. You're keeping all your tokens. Right. Uh, very very good card. Yeah, and especially when you think about it as like a four mana three three on its own right. Like I think it's I think it's extremely efficient as well. Because I think I honestly I think that there's three cards that all fill a similar slot that I think we should talk mm -hmm. about in a row. Um, and I think this one, Mr. Combo, is, the, is one of the more interesting ones, as you just made mention of, how you can kind of pass the token, you can pass the auras around, as opposed to just getting just this raw token value. This card, if it was legendary, would probably be a pretty solid commander in and of itself. I would agree with that. I find, like, so so a lot of the yeast here that's going to be a recurring thing of, like, generating tokens whenever uh, an, an enchantment enters the battlefield, um, or being cast and uh, this one generally is the weakest of the bunch but because it synergizes with auras so well there are some extra trickeries you can do in the deck with it which is which is really neat so yeah yeah this is basically basically what you want to do is you, you're just you're developing a board you're protecting from early attacks or deterring attacks and then eventually you reach a critical mass and you, you punch people in the face and you win yep <laughs> all right well tomer uh why don't you go ahead and read the next card in that you all right so the next one is very similar to uh the previous one of johnny's chosen this is archon of sun's grace uh this is two mana and double white uh for a three four uh creature token or creature archon Flying with lifelink and Pegasus creatures you control have lifelink and as a constellation trigger, <laughs> whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, create a 2-2 white Pegasus creature token with flying. So think Ajani's Chosen, uh, except now uh, it's a 3-4 <laughs> of lifelink and it makes 2-2 flying Pegasus that aren't on the ground, so they fly. And also, as long as this Archon's on the battlefield, they also have lifelink. So it's kind of yes, it's kind of obscene, so um, and it's also just 
yeah, like it, it triggers like crazy. It's already like a big threat on the table. It makes it makes attacking for lethal kind of impossible, especially with the life flank. Uh, right. Attacking into you uh, with life flank is impossible early on, and then later on, like it's they fly. They fly. They have life flank. Uh, you're gonna kill people very quickly with it. And also, again, with Daxos, whenever you make a, a token with Daxos, it's an enchantment, so it triggers constellation. Um, so it's just it's shocking really good. me. It's also shocking me. This card's thirty eight cents. But um, Crested Sunmare, which is effectively the same, the exact same card for life, uh, life gain decks is seven dollars. Right? Mm. Like it's just bizarre that they're the same card, same sort of idea on them, but they're so radically different in price. Yeah, I don't know. I um, maybe maybe Theros had more uh, more supply and it's, than Emmett. Crested Sunmare is a mythic, so I mean, there's a lot yeah. of other things that might be going. People into really it, like Life Link too, uh, so or Life Gain deck, so. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I'll say, uh, it's not specifically about Archons of Sun Grace, but it does tie to it, Johnny's Chosen. I just realized there's an infinite two card combo with that, uh, with Enchanted So you just literally make infinite, yeah. and unfortunately, it would make the game a draw because it's not even a May effect. Yeah. I find that oh, just, oh, it just keeps going, 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 going. Yeah, it just keeps going forever. So, hey, that's why you have to have Ultra of the Brood in the deck. You mill it. That's, uh, that's one also of my favorite. Also, uh, because it's, it's blue. That's actually one of my favorite uh, card arts in the game. And I used to have, I have many iterations from Enchantress decks in the back in, in in the past. And one of my treasured cards is a foil uh, Enchanted Evening, because, you know, not only is it such a powerful combo finisher type thing, but also I just love the artwork. Mm -hmm. The gray art, not the not the uh, McKibben art, right? This is uh, no, it's Rebecca Gay. But uh, oh, oh awesome. nice! Uh, that is super yeah, I just cool. Got, I yeah, I was literally pulling it up on Google, and I kept trying to like zoom in so I could see the card art. And every time I zoomed in, Google made the image. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, this isn't big, except it's mirrored, so whatever. Um, but yeah, beautiful. Uh, I just got them recently. I'm going to be hanging them up soon. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, Tuck, why don't you read the next one on the I'm list? I'm going out of order because this is a card that I actually chose, and it's completely relevant to what we're just talking about. So, Sigil of the Empty Throne, another, another classic card that does effectively the same thing. Also, now is 70 cents. I remember when this was $6. So, three colorless uh, white white for an enchantment. When you cast an enchantment spell, the difference here, I guess, being cast as opposed to yeah. ATB, yep. create a 4-4 white angel creature token with flying. So, the thing that I I just watched a uh, another in similar scope to Commander Clash with MTG Goldfish. I watched another program for adults, not children, which is SCG Commander Lives. Uh, coming for you, Jimmy. But um, one thing that was really interesting in this deck with this card is I think it's I think it's better slow played versus the other two. So what had happened in this specific game was they had waited after everyone had already used their removal to play this card. And then everyone was scrambling for an answer, right? And in this deck, there's so many enchantments and so many low drop enchantments and so much enchantment recursions in auras and otherwise that it kind of makes sense that you could play some of your bigger heavy hitters, your Doomwake Giants of the world and whatnot, and then be able to slap, that, slap this one down, turn seven, eight, and still the same turn be able to run out and create your angel army almost at will. Yeah, this is like, yeah. this card kind of takes over games very quickly, and 
Yes. It doesn't trigger. It doesn't trigger on constellation only in cast, so it doesn't work True. with Daxos, yes. yep. which is the major hit against it. But even regardless, it's not a creature itself, so it's much harder for people to remove it. Right. Like you can't just wipe the board of all creatures and then sigils gone. You have to find an enchantment removal spell for it. And this, the creatures are four fours. It's ins it's insanely large. Like you cast like a rude yes, mortality or something like that, large. and you just draw a card, trigger constellation. You have a four four, and it's just like. It's silly. It's a silly card. I love it so much. And yeah, it's, it's dirt cheap because it's been reprinted to the moon. So um, I love it. Yeah. And I like it because there's a card in the spice section that we'll eventually get to that you can pay a mana to return it to the hand and only cast two to Which cast. Which spoiler alert is <laughs> not and should not be in the spice section. <laughs> Uh, and so, and I really like it because you have all of those aura discounts to where like that card, for example, you're basically paying white, white to get a four, four flying angel, which I think if there was any card that said, Hey, Tomer, pay white, white and get a four, four flyer. You're probably like, okay, like, That's good. I'll sign up for that all day, including Tuesday. Yeah, do it forever. So. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, since Tuck went out of order, I'm going to get us back on order with Eidolon of Countless Battles. Uh, so good. Colorless, white, white, enchantment creature spirit. It's a zero, zero with Bestow. And if you guys are not familiar for Bestow, Bestow is an alternate casting cost with some of these enchantment creatures where you could actually cast it as an enchantment on or an enchantment aura onto one of your creatures, opposed to it being its own independent creature. Um, so, uh, Eidolon of Battles and Enchanted Creature uh, each get plus one, plus one for each creature you control and plus one plus one for each aura you control it's insane that is filthy uh i would imagine at any point in the game when you're casting this uh probably let's call it mid to late it's probably doing a plus 10 to plus 16 somewhere in there yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's definitely a card where it's like if you need to have a board state and then once you have the board state, mm -hmm. now you're allowed to swing for lethal. Uh, so it right. works really well with the other East cards because like they all make tokens. Um, and it works well with like Killian and Ephemia, which you mentioned earlier, because they already have evasion. You put it like on any Pegasus token from made by the Archon or any angel token made by the Sigil. Um, and you just have a one shot. Uh, it doesn't do anything yeah. early on and it doesn't do anything after a board wipe. Um, but this is the type of card that uh as soon as soon as you've developed a decent board state this is how you f you close out the game very quickly yeah like the, the yep. floor is pretty low on this right insofar as like you have to have something else like it's two two for four or two two for three and that's it but again if you can slap it on any of the anything that we just talked about even like when the experience counters on uh daxos's spirits are five slapping it on one of those and then knowing that you're going to get it back even if it dies insane value for for the cost mm-hmm all right. Well, there's only one more yeast card left, so Tomer, do the honor. So this is this is a very cute card that I I've never, have never I've never seen this yet. card before ever, and it I've was also incredible. Never, I've never played it before. I never had the opportunity to even see it in a game, so I could be very off base here. Uh, but I think it's incredibly cute and lovely, and it looks it looks pretty decent. Uh, this is Ever Strike. 
this is a hybrid card, black-white hybrid card, three and two hybrid white-black mana. Uh, for an elemental spirits, two-two of flying. Uh, Everstrike gets plus two plus two for each aura attached to it. And uh, it has an ability from the graveyard. Uh, you can pay X and two so cool. hybrid mana to return Everstrike from graveyard to play. You may put an aura card with converted mana cost X or less from your hand into play attached to it if you don't remove Everstrike from the game. Um, so what I really like about this, it has Oof. evasion. Um, it also it also becomes very big very quickly if you just load up on those those cheap cantrip auras that we talked about earlier. Uh, every single time you do that, it gets plus two plus two, so it can easily be swinging as a six six or an eight eight or even more with evasion. And then when it dies um, at instant speed, whenever you want at the end step before your turn or whatever, if you have an aura in your hand and you probably will because it's an aura deck, uh, you can just pay a pretty a pretty mana efficient cost it's it's the cost of the aura plus an additional two mana essentially to return to the battlefield with mm -hmm. that aura so it's now again a four four with flying uh that you flashed into play uh from the graveyard and then you just load it up and 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 with auras again and you swing for lethal so i really like the the grindiness of this this card and i, I don't i wouldn't run it in a faster deck like killian but in this deck this is all about grinding yep. your opponents out and and dragging it on and the longer the game goes uh the better it goes for you and i think everstrike is like the epitome of that it's just like this evasive beater that is slow but it will get you <laughs> yeah yeah, and actually, I look at it a little different, how you kind of said, like, you know, it's basically the cost of the aura plus two mana. I actually look at it from the positive. It's the cost of the aura, and then you're getting a three mana discount on Everstrike. <laughs> right, right, right. You have to pay its three colorless. Yeah. So it's actually even more mana efficient than just casting it, than putting the aura on it. This is a card, like, for example, with... Um, our oh, uh, necro necrolegia to where at the end step you draw you know your 10 or 15 this is already discarded <laughs> i'm yeah. perfectly fine with that and, and i got this grip of auras in my hand and it's like now all my auras essentially have flash and they're going on a 4-4 flyer that's pretty great and you know what maybe it's something to where literally each turn someone's trying to swing at you and kill you because you are grinding right. out the game and it's on hour three and people's eyes are bloodshot <laughs> um and it's you like okay, well, no. we're just gonna we're, we're just, everyone do that and then literally each turn you could say okay well i'm gonna pay four mana ever strike out little can trippy thing i'm gonna draw a card up it died up next one i'll pay three mana Ooh. this time little can trippy and thing and it allows you for very mana efficient to kind of protect yourself on everyone's turn but then like you said on your turn i mean you could do a fat fat enchantment on it load it up and then and it's gonna someone most likely it's gonna get even better with my favorite card in the bottle capping <laughs> all right well let's uh head over to the spice dibs i'm calling dibs on it here we go i don't care i'm right. we're going out of ways okay number one number one card in here on spice for no reason is conviction colorless and white enchantment creature uh enchant creature gets plus one plus threes white return conviction to its owner's hand incorrect this is not a spice this is a grain card this is a hops card this is a yeast card it is literally anything but a spice we're putting spice you are a freaking madman 
Mm. <laughs> it costs two mana, less one with all the other artifacts we have on there, right? So immediately you're getting a buff to whatever creatures we're talking about, right? Then you're gonna draw your cards, then you're doing constellations. Guess what? We just talked about it. You play Everstrike, it dies for four mana, it comes back to battlefield, then bumps back to your hand at instant speed when Everstrike dies, and then you do it again and draw a card and go on from there. There's no way in hell that this card is a spice, and it makes me very upset, and I'm not normally this animated about cards, but I have to draw the line at some point in the sand. This is not a spice card. Yeah, I would actually probably put this in the yes, yes just because with so many of your reductions, you're basically paying two mana to literally do everything oh, you want as much as over you want. Over and over and over That's and true. over and over and over and over again. Blasphemy. Yeah. It's insanity. I, I was a little bit hard on it because uh, I guess I guess I I eventually cut conviction from the I originally this deck was a Killian deck and it was very much aggro, very much yep, low to right. the ground. Yeah. And it was very much like incremental card advantage is not what I want. I want to kill people turn four, you know? So I don't want an incremental. I want to be burst draw. I want to be as quick as possible. Conviction's too slow. We're at best case scenario, it's going to be double white uh, every single time you bounce it. In this deck, yep. though, I, I, I definitely concede that it's probably not a spice card. It's probably a we lot better here. We didn't even, <laughs> we didn't even talk about the win on turn four. It wants to win on like turn We didn't talk about how good it is with your commander, the reason why you yeah. built this. Literally yeah. two mana for an experience counter? Are you insane? It's yeah, incredible. it's very good here. It, it makes experience counters. It triggers <laughs> Constellation. Uh, Everstrike <laughs> is very cute with it. I like that a lot. Yes. Um, well, and, and I think the text that a lot of people with Daxos and I'll, I'll just say it, I was one of these people because I don't play Daxos or see it often. So whenever our friend would play the deck, I would always think, oh, you're paying a colorless and Orzov to get a uh, enchantment creature, but that creature's power when it enters the battlefield, it's whatever. So, you know, you're the first one you make, if you only have one experience counter, it's a one, one. And then the second one you make may be a two, two. I, I always forget that they constantly grow as your board. Uh, oh, kind of right, 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 right. Yeah. So if they're on the battlefield already, they start with 1-1, one, one, but then they'll be a 2-2 two, two as soon as you get yeah. a thing. As soon as you play Conviction six times. Conviction like <laughs> is the fact that someone could look at your board and you may have Conviction in hand. They're like, okay, well, he has two or three of the Daxos things out there. All right, well, he they board wiped, got rid of all my stuff, but I should live. I should be good to the next turn. If you have 10 mana, which you probably do because you said you want to be grindier, you want to be turn 11, 12, 13, it's you could out of nowhere one shot someone because you could just cast that over and over five times. That's five experience counters. No, those three guys that maybe were three threes are now eight eights. And that is for sure lethal when you're talking turn 11, 12, 13. So I like the fact that this card can literally out of nowhere just kill I will, someone. I will be taking no further questions. I agree. You sold me on conviction. I, there's actually a card yeah. that's better than it. Uh, yeah, like we right. talk about in. Uh, in in a higher budget, I left it out because this is a cheaper version of it. But we could. I, I, gotta, that. I think I think we're probably talking the same language, but we got a way to figure finagle it in for less than forty dollars. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so the next one on there, and these next two are true spice cards. I, I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, Martial Impetus <laughs> is the next one on the block. That's two colorless white enchantment aura. It's an uncommon for twenty six cents. 
uh, enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, and is goaded. And whenever enchanted creature attacks, each other creature that's attacking one of your opponents gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Uh, this card, yes, it gives you some of your enchantment stuff, but you're not really doing a goad theme or trying to incentivize people to attack each other. Because uh, like you've said, the deck is more kind of not staxy, but it is more controlling. And so people are going to want to kill you. No one ever wants to leave the control player live. That just doesn't make any yeah. sense. Uh, but I can say that this card is very good because I literally did this on Mr. Bever's Twitch stream. This will have now been two weeks ago. And uh, I threw it on the uh, Quandrix players. Uh, I believe it was their Essex. And it just absolutely wrecked because they had to attack. And then the then it's like, well, if I'm attacking, I might as well attack the other people. And they even tried to say, oh, well, I'll attack you and get the plus one. It's like, no, no, sir. It's yeah. only for opponents. And then they started hitting my opponents and getting that extra buff. So it does have a home. I do think it would actually be kind of cool, though, if you had this late game. You got your four or five Daxos tokens out there. Throw it on one of your own creatures. Yeah. yeah. And then they're getting the experience counter buff and they're right. all getting the plus one, plus one. That's real. That's that's basically if you're getting, uh, what would that be? Two power for three mana across your four or five creatures. Late game, that's probably going to be enough to at least kill one person. Uh, I also want to bring up that a certain card that I'm not going to go into details, but may have some sort of spirit jail that used to be absurdly expensive is now a quote-unquote budget card at under two dollars hmm. all right well uh tomer uh you got the last spice card why don't you read it um off? so the last one is is very similar to this one uh it's parasitic impetus uh, this is a black enchantment, two and a black. Uh, enchantment aura, enchant creature. Uh, enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, and is goaded. So it has to attack each combat if able and attacks a player other than you if able. And whenever enchanted creature attacks, its controller loses two life and you gain two life. This card, um, I, I, I think I'm like one of the only people who likes it. Uh, <laughs> I like it a lot. I really like the goad mechanic because I, I always see it as like this cool, like indirect uh, removal spell slash damage prevention. Because not only not only mm -hmm. like do you deal with the creature as in the creature's not swinging at you, um, it has yep. to swing at an opponent. So if it was planning on blocking, it can't do that yep. anymore. If it's a really big creature that has one shot potential, you could potentially have in a, you could have potentially, uh, uh, potentially, there we go, uh, directed a lethal attack to an opponent that didn't want to be, that the controller did not want to, to one shot, uh, which I find very just fun. Like it turns, it leads to really these cool, fun situations. Uh, of the impetus cycle, I would say this one is probably one of the weakest. Uh, the life drain is not super significant. This is not a life gain deck yeah. or anything, but nonetheless, it's an aura. It's an enchantment. It has inherent synergies in the deck, and I will run the impetus cards at any given opportunity. The red one, I legitimately think is a, an amazing card. Uh, the martial one, the white one, I think is way better in this deck. As you mentioned, this is like a token deck, so you can sometimes just put it on your own deck and it will be enough to make a lethal swing. This one's probably the weakest, but I just really like impetus cards. I like the gold mechanic a lot i find it really really fun and it adds a cool dynamic to the deck mm -hmm. um so i just i just really like it brings me a lot of joy uh to put like just cast a spell and sure. see what havoc it does it's probably not the most optimized card which is why it's spice uh but it, personally i really like the goad mechanic and I'll, I'll try to play them as much as i can 
And that's fair. And that's literally with our channel, why we developed that spice category. Because sometimes you have a card or a mechanic that you just really like. And I I mentioned it earlier, Alter the Brood's kind of my spice card. I I will jam (laughs) that into decks as often as I can. Because it's like, what? I I, I can't get on that soapbox. Yeah, that's no, we're we're, we're, we're past that, Mr. (laughs) Connell. We're we're past that. But I. Well, hearing you describe the impetus cycle and the goad mechanic, it's like it kind of fits your deck, sort of. But then at the same time, it, it's something that you enjoy. Um, but you know, if there was a card that's better than that that you still keeps you under budget, it's like, oh well, these are the cards that are <clears> first <throat> on the chopping block because they don't really fit. And if I could put these other, for cards. Sure. And, and if you don't have like a yeah. special spot for the impetus cycle, like I do, these are the cards that I would recommend cutting first. Um, but I really like right. them, mm-hmm. so when I when I, if it would be my version of the deck, uh, I would jam them in every time yeah and i I think the last thing i'll say is it it would be weirder if you're playing like three color black enchantments don't matter right but the fact that you are playing in these colors play and it's it it feeds in everything else it makes this subpar card that's on a super budget way more palpable into actually the theme of the deck right Correct. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up the spice package. Now we're going to head to the bottle capping. And as a reminder, there's going to be Tomers, Big Tucks and Eyes, Cuts and Adds to the deck that are all budget because we're never in budget month. Uh, so uh, we up, oh, but we can't talk about mana only lands. But once again, budget month, I don't think uh, we could afford a Sarah Sanctum <laughs> on a budget. But that is a mana only land as well. One. <laughs> All right, so Tomer, I know this was difficult for you because you just literally built the deck, but what card would you cut and what card would you add in, even if maybe it kind of gets us off the $40 budget by, you know, some dimes or nickels? Um, so, like I said, the, there's two pet cards uh, that, you know, they're, they're definitely the weakest cards of, of the deck. And the first one I would cut, the weakest of the bunch, is the Parasitic Impetus. So if I was looking yep. to upgrade it and I was focusing on the power aspect of the deck, uh, I would cut Parasitic Impetus because it is just overall the weakest card, even, even though it's an aura and has some synergies. Um, and I'd throw in a card that uh, I would consider uh, a staple into in aura decks like this one. And this is Core Spirit Dancer. Uh, Core Spirit Dancer is a two mana creature, one in a white, uh, for a zero two core wizard. Uh, it gets plus two plus two for each aura attached to it. And whenever you cast an aura spell, you may draw a card. It- Oh man, yeah. that card just screamed. Yeah. And, and this card also used to be like twenty dollars, so it's been also got reprinted into the ground. Yeah, it's kind of got uh, it's got a, a bunch of pretty decent reprints to it. Um, but it is absolutely fantastic in the deck. Uh, there are a lot of auras in the deck. Uh, I think at least twenty five or so. Um, so you can be consistently drawing at least one card off them. And the, the other thing is that it is also a a nice beater. It's a good blocker and a beater because there's again these so many of these auras uh their main purpose is just to be cast and draw a card uh and the enchantment itself like you can just enchant whatever you want really uh you can just load them all in the spirit dancer and get plus two plus two uh for each aura you put on it so it will eventually become you know like a six six blocker and then eventually it will start attacking and uh being a win condition in its own right but the incremental card draw is just really fantastic here i think yeah, yeah, and I can agree with the, the the cutting of the parasitic for this. You know, a you're actually, and this is something we've kind of also talked about when we do our cuts and ads, is you're actually reducing your CMC by one, going from a three down to a two, so you're making it more efficient. You are now adding in more whites. We probably are going to have to cut some swamps and add in some planes uh, for a little bit uh, color distribution, but. 
man, this is yeah. another one of those cards with all of your reductions that you have and all the ways that you have bringing stuff back from the graveyard. I mean, hell, uh, you could attack with this as a zero two and Sun Titan, bring back your two things with Sun Titan and boom, you just added four power plus maybe whatever else those aura uh, would maybe give it buff wise or, um, you know, evasion, things like that. So yeah, I can see why you cut it, you know, seeing it like uh, 248 on Goldfish with the Battle mm -hmm. Bond version, um, you know, doesn't really quite fit, but I still think <clears throat> you did such a good job at doing a $40 budget to where it's like, hey, if you, $50? Is right. it like, okay, can I put an extra 10 spot and maybe make the deck significantly better? I still think that's pretty budget. Yeah, absolutely. I think like with $10 worth of things, you can get a lot of big upgrades into the deck. Totally. All right, um, I'll go next. So this is a card. Uh, it, it's one of the the flip cards, Ooh. and it's one of the few ways I could see it, what you're trying to do because you're, you're trying to have some form of protection. I just think it's like a one shot with no way to actually get it back. I don't think it actually makes the cut. So I'm gonna cut Sajiri. I I think uh, you are incorrect on this one. <laughs> No. Uh, colorless white instant. It's an uncommon uh, for 35 cents from Zendikar. Rising, Rising. yeah. Uh, and it states target creature you control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. And then the flip side is it enters the battlefield tapped and it can tap for a white. So um, as a one shot, I, I'm not. I'm not hot on it. It doesn't really feed anything in the deck. And I think your CMC is so low with everything you're trying to do that even if it's on Daxos, unless we're talking that magical, not even Christmas land, it'd be magical hellscape <laughs> to where Daxos is now 13, 15, 17 yeah. mana. Sure, in that very niche scenario, similar to how I talked about that one enchantment, uh, the... Oh, drawing a blank on it. Uh, minions return. Like you're always going to do that on your opponent's stuff. I guess in the you know magical hellscape, if you have to put it on Daxos, fine. And I kind of look at that card in the same light. I, I think the whatever you're going to cut this for, I think the better cut would be a planes because I think Sergey's shelter is just a better version of planes in the stack. But I didn't got created. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, the card I want to add, uh, it's coming in at $1.27 on Goldfish. And I, I know that's why you cut it, because it was probably over a buck, and that's one of the ones you needed to do. But I think this is still keeping the deck on a budget. So all that glitters, oh, holy crap. That's this thing. Oh wrap. my god. <laughs> so colorless white enchantment aura enchant creature uh, from uh, Throne of Eldraine, that trash, trash. set. Absolute garbage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> confirmed. Uh, enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one for each artifact and or enchantment you control. Uh, it's under three, so Sun Titan will always be able to get it back. Uh, most likely you're casting it for a single white and that single white is most likely giving that creature plus 10 plus 10 at any given point. In the yeah, game. absolute yeast bank. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, great call. I can't believe I missed that one. <laughs> that, this card is so stupid. It's definitely a, it's, it's a very potent finisher because you don't even need uh, a token army or anything like that. You just slap it on yeah. uh, on a creature there's there's one that's a little bit cheaper too uh ethereal armor um the main difference oh, it does yeah, the same thing with good. enchantments but the main difference it doesn't count uh artifacts so this deck, this deck does have mm. uh a few artifacts there's a like few. i think like five 
Um, so yep. this one will get you a little bit more value out of it. Uh, but Ethereal Armor does cost one less. So I feel like they're kind of close, mm. but both of them are, are good yeah. Yeah. inclusions to the deck, I think. Like they're just and good ways to add a big defender, trigger, you know, aura related stuff, enchantment related stuff. And go in for a lethal if you have like an evasive. And let's be, let's be fair here, guys. Ethereal Armor does give one of the most busted abilities in Magic the Gathering. Yeah. First Strike. Oh, it does give it First Strike too? <laughs> yes, it's like way Oh, I didn't even down. know that. <laughs> <laughs> I play that card. I don't That's even funny. remember. Yeah. <laughs> Sick. All right, Tuck. Well, what are you going to cut for your first cap? And what are so you going to So, Tomer, add? I know how you operate. And I think you have a bunch of these cantrip spells that I think we can kind of move. I think we can kind of move them, you know, I think we can kind of move them around. So one of the ones that I think is a weaker is uh, Scourge Mark. So I, I get it. I understand. Um, Scourge Mark is, in fact, a... Uh, Hold on here. Uh, an enchant creature for a colorless and a black. When enchant creature, when scorch mark ends the battlefield, draw a card. Enchant creature gets plus one plus zero. So I get, I understand, right? Like we're getting this train going. We're kind of doing this thing. But I think that the there you have certain auras in this deck that give evergreen abilities that are just better than this, right? So I think with my three cards, you're still gonna be under the $40 budget. I'm not sure about MTG Goldfish, but the number one, our old pal, Danny DeVito, smoking cigars, Saram Senior Artificer. Yes. <laughs> to me, it's just, it's just, it's, just, it's, just, it's an easy ad in here. Um, and I'm sure you did not put it in because you're not a basic bitch like me. Saram Senior Artificer is a colorless and a black, legendary creature dwarf advisor. Whenever you cast an aura, equipment, or vehicle spell, draw a card. Um, and it's sitting at around $2 ish. So, again, the value, the reason why I personally, I think Saram is a better option than some of these like cantrip auras because he is now another target, even though he doesn't have an evasion for two mana, you're getting your two, two. So he's kind of on like curve mana curve parody. And now he's another person that as soon as he gets some semblance of evasion or as soon as she gets big enough and then you rogue passion, Pat, but rogue passage him out he will be mm -hmm. able to start swinging in for damage as opposed to just draw a card and get plus one plus zero. Yeah, I mean, SRAM is definitely a card that I was I didn't put in for the arbitrary restriction on MTG Goldfish. It was like two dollars. Yeah, makes like sense. That. Yeah, uh, but he is definitely like one of the first cards I would think to add. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely a good swap. Uh, excellent card draw. Yeah, you know, especially like, especially Tomer, like how we kind of talked about like you know the ten dollars. You know, we're at forty. It, what does 10 bucks yeah. give me? <laughs> Even though this eats up 25% of that $10 budget, I think the value it right. adds to the deck is probably a $10 quote unquote card value. Yes. Because you have so many auras, mm -hmm. you're probably, and, and I, I like what you kind of said to where, are you gonna get this trigger at each turn? You'll 100% for that two mana, every single uh, aura, you're gonna cast at least one every turn, if not two or three. And if that's getting you one, two, three card, uh, draw, additional card draws that turn, that could draw you into more auras mm -hmm. or draw you eventually into the board wipe that you may be digging for. So uh, yeah, I think guys, if you, if you built Tomer's deck at the $40 mark and it's like, okay, 
birthday, <laughs> Christmas, whatever. I want to kind of keep to this budget. Uh, I, I want to do as you know a cheap upgrade. Adding SRAM to the deck is just leaps uh, and, and bounds. And me as a spot on. All three of these, all three of mine are going to be that exact same description. So get ready. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to the second cut and add for the deck. Uh, Tomer, uh, I believe you're going to be cutting the other impetus. Uh, I actually swapped. I swapped here. Ooh, I changed it. Yeah. I'm, 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 keeping you guys, I'm keeping you guys on your toes. Um, so the card that I'm going to be taking out is actually going to be Crystal Chimes. Uh, Crystal Chimes is a fantastic recursion engine. Um, it's basically it's a it's a three mana artifact um, that does nothing immediately, but you can activate it, uh, pay three, tap it, and sacrifice it. Return all enchantment cards from your graveyard to your hand. Now this card isn't very good. It's it's very very good in the deck because uh, your, your, your graveyard is going to fill with uh, enchantments yep. pretty quickly. Like the aura, they're all auras. So whatever is enchanted, when it dies, auras are going to die too. Um, the, also, the other nice thing is uh, that if, if you put the auras back into your hand, uh, they get cast triggers when you recast them. So Daxos, it works with Daxos, mm -hmm. works with Sigil of Empty Throw. And the other thing that works really well with it is Sun Titan. It's a three mana artifact. So if the game is going really long and you get back all your enchantments with uh, Crystal Chimes and then you need to do it again, uh, you can get it back with Sun Titan and then do it again if you really need to. However, Tomer, there is one card. You are making me. You're, you're saddening. You're saddening somebody because I saw, I saw I the happiness drain from your face. I bought this card specifically for the Siona budget build ah. that you posted on MTG Goldfish, and here you are throwing it in my face. No, no, I'm, I'm, it's it great. Me, it makes me very sad. It's a great card. However, the thing that I found out is I used to run three mass recursion cards in my Aura decks, and I found that it was actually too much. So I wanted to cut down to two wow. of the best okay. uh, for the Mass Recursion. And this one, despite being very good, it gets all enchantments back. Um, you still have to pay the mana to recast all of them. And again, like it, we are a slow deck, so it doesn't really, it doesn't, that's not the worst thing ever. But sometimes you have to discard down to hand size, and that's kind of awkward um, because you just spent all, you yeah. just spent all that mana to put them back in your hand in the first place. So there's one card that's even better than Crystal Chimes, or two cards that I consider better than Crystal Chimes. One is already in the deck, and that's Open the Vaults. Uh, returns all yes, enchantments yep. uh, to the battlefield, so you don't even have to recast them. This is immediate. Oh, wait, let me get, let me guess, let me guess the other one. Yeah. Replenish, because you're gonna triple, you're gonna four thousand times. Well, it's a replenish is a bit expensive because it's a reserve list. Uh, yes, of course. So it's out, of, it's out of the budget. You can't get uh, it in gold border, anyways. I digress. Yeah, or you Ooh. can just proxy it. Um, but the the one that's actually cheap, still cheapish, uh, is retether. Um, Retether is a oh. four mana sorcery that is basically, it's literally re replenished, but it's restricted just to uh, auras. So while replenished hits all enchantments, oh, okay. Retether only hits auras. It's the same mana cost. It's a four mana white sorcery, three and a white uh, for a sorcery that says return all auras you control to the battlefield, enchanting whatever targets uh, is legal. Um, so this is, while Crystal Charms is very good, 
uh, I think open the vaults is better, and I think retether is even better than that. You don't get the cast triggers, uh, and you can't recur it constantly with Sun Titan, but the upside is the auras immediately enter the battlefield. You don't have to pay that extra mana to uh, recast them, um, and this is like an immediate swing. Like, you have an empty board, somebody austere commands you or cleansing novas you, and you just had to dis uh, discard all of your auras, and now they're in the graveyard. You pay four mana, and then suddenly boom all your auras are back on the battlefield you get a bajillion constellation triggers everything goes insane and your your board state is better than ever um so that card's super insane the the only thing i so i, I do like it the only thing though i would say because you, you're this deck it's a little funky on are you trying to do enter the battlefield or cast triggers so i think you kind of have to guys if you're building this i think you need to pick a direction mm. and be able to kind of follow through with that because the one thing i see is you know a lot of the auras are more cantrippy type stuff it's not like you have like uh what's that eldrazi conscription no. in here uh because that card is like crazy expensive <laughs> right. uh and also an absolute powerhouse uh so you have to kind of figure out you know am i trying to go for constellation triggers or do i want cast triggers like with daxos for example uh you know am i trying to get you know those experience counters and so i think that's where you could probably play around with retether versus crystal chimes play the deck a few times and figure out like what's more important to me and how I'm playing it. But uh, I do like it and I also enjoy, I'm reading the reminder text that they have on Goldfish uh, for the uh, Duel of the Planeswalker hmm. version. It states, uh, aura cards that can't enchant a creature on the battlefield remain yeah. in your graveyard. Uh, I love that this card is so specific that it only gets auras for creatures. Uh, I've just never seen something so niche like that. That's like saying like, oh, it can only be equipments with core or uh, kobolds. In it's the also armor. nice uh, that it actually gets around shroud and hexproof because the cards don't target. You uh -huh. don't, you're not casting them, so you don't have to target the creature. Uh, they just enter the battlefield attached to any creature uh that you have oh trust me i'm familiar because huh. we used to have a player in our play group with brago and he would have some of those disgusting enchantments that uh he throwed on his own creature and then blink the enchantment and then <laughs> throw it on your hexproof shroud thing that and it, it made, me, made me cry also one defense to the the cast versus uh constellation debate though um another purpose of these cantrip auras though is when they do enter the battlefield they will draw you a card so if you do have a bunch of cantrip auras mm -hmm. in your graveyard and retether you're still going to be drawing like three four cards that's fair um and those will probably find you more auras to immediately start casting so crystal chimes will always get you a lot but sometimes maybe that they might be a little bit excessive uh how many you get into your into your hand and you don't need all of them uh this one will just immediately put them all into the battlefield you draw a bunch of extra cards off the cantrips and then you have more to cast anyway and but you're ahead on board uh because you didn't have to spend all that extra mana you redeemed yourself yes <laughs> uh this card betrayal no retethers won me the game like three times with siona so yes okay you're, no tomer you're still tomer you're still on notice and still on thin ice but you did it's, redeem it's yourself on this one you don't have to you could keep all three as well or you could take out open the vaults for it um go. instead whatever the flavor or you get it up cutting the card that i'm gonna cut next because i have tried to make this work I've it just it's it's too expensive. Profane procession, mm. getting it out of here. So colorless <laughs> yeah. Orzov, that's gonna be your white black legendary enchantment. It's a rare, uh, and it's around seventy ish cents. 
Uh, and it has an activated ability that's not a tap, so if you had the mana to do it multiple times, you could. Um, and that's where I think this card kind of falls flat, because basically to do its effect, you need 18 mana to, to go through yeah. the whole thing. Uh, so three colorless Orzhov, exile target creature. Then if there are three or more cards exile with profane procession, you transform it. And then it transforms into Tomb of the Dusk Rose. Uh, it's a legendary land that can tap for any mana in your mana pool, or you can activate its ability for two colorless Orzov, put a creature card exiled with the permanent onto the battlefield under your control. I get it. It's cool. It's cute. You have some graveyard recursion. Sun Titan will grab it when people get rid of it. I just think the whole 18 mana investment to actually get what it wants to do is just way too much. I'm the card though oh I was, I was gonna say i totally agree like this probably is a spice card i i kind of forgot that i put it in there um <laughs> you put it's really the spice and then you just this is a spice card you're out of your mind <laughs> well i mean i mean i i'm not i don't remember every single deck i think <laughs> Tomer, listen to me. I was told that I was told by Mr. Combo that we were dealing with an inflappable professional that never makes mistakes. And I'm not gonna lie to you, my friend. I've only seen one of those, which what's, is professional. What's the term never meet your heroes? This is, this is that situation. <laughs> yeah. Well, card Tomer, I am. Did you use the checklist? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I am dumbfounded how this one maybe got overlooked because it's only a quarter on Goldfish right now. It's so right cool. Now. How did you not put Intangible Virtue in the deck? Oh, mm. oh man. Colorless white enchantment. Oh, God, yes. Plus one, plus one and have Vigilance. That is a powerhouse yeah, really in this deck. Because, you know, instead of you having to kind of hold back your Daxos tokens until they're maybe big enough to do threat on board, you're attacking every turn. You're always going to have someone that can't handle, you know, because basically, once again, when you cast this, all of your Daxos tokens are getting a plus two buff experience counter and this giving it the plus one, plus one. There's always going to be someone that you can swing a four, four at and probably either eat up some baby blockers or get some damage in. And then you still have your blockers for when people want to kill you and you're controlling like deck so i think this swap makes way more sense uh yeah you know you don't have the option to exile creatures and creature removals not a premium in the deck but i think that kind of goes to what we talked about pre or uh earlier in the deck review that you know, a lot of times these more standard staple cards do become higher, so you can't really do them on a budget. And so, you know, your Swords to Plowshare, your Path to Exiles, you can't really put these in. Um, and so I get it, you want the removal, but I think what's better than creature removal is player removal. <laughs> I think that's nice. true. Okay, so I, I'm 100% on board with you on the Profane Profession. I think this card's pretty bad. Because I remember, I remember, I remember how many times I've actually seen Profane Profession. Each time, it's super sucked because uh -huh. the person person had it there, <laughs> and then they basically have to keep all their mana up to activate it whenever. Because yep. it's still five, it's a lot, the, and it just puts a big target. The only thing I'll say about Profane Procession that I know in my in my experience is that this card destroyed me in a cube. That's all no, I remember. Oh my, yeah, I, yeah. I, I couldn't play a card. I couldn't do anything. It was horrible. And well, Beyond that, you, yes, I agree. When it's one versus one, it's incredibly oppressive. When it's multiple opponents, so every opponent yes, yeah. wants it gone. And if they don't have a chant removal for it, they're just going to swing every creature at you because eventually all their creatures yeah. are going to go anyway, so might as well. Um, so definitely agree with the cut. Intangible virtue, though, and it's also it also kind of goes with all the glitters at the same time. 
what I've found, mm-hmm. at least with Daxos and these grindy decks, is it, it almost feels like it almost feels unnecessary. Like the card is good. And maybe I'm downplaying uh, the the usefulness of like the vigilance and whatnot. But like with Daxos and the token generator, it's like as long as you're it's step one is like you stay alive and then eventually Daxos is just going to kill your opponents. Like you don't need to attack. Yeah. Daxos can die. He can die again. <laughs> right, right, your right. tokens can die. It doesn't it's matter kind of because eventually you just cast Daxos. He so sticks Tomer, and like, you make to your things. Point, the, the point being is like the experience counters aspect of Daxos is more important than the tokens and the value he's getting out, right? Yeah. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Well, it's, it's more like it's more like you don't need you don't need the buff to the tokens because the tokens are enough that you will eventually just overwhelm your opponents the mm. step one is just don't die because if you're <laughs> if you get overrun very quickly then it sucks so that's why like i'm not too high on intangible virtue and even like ethereal armor and stuff like i'm kind of iffy on it even like Adolon of countless battles is like at least a beater by itself but like if you don't have tokens on the battlefield and you have an intangible virtue you feel really sad if you have like three tokens you're still not feeling that great um but like if you if you are in the late game and you have a bunch of tokens do you need the intangible virtue i would say probably not sure. so i will i will <laughs> yeah, disagree I you're right <laughs> Yeah. yeah, late game, I think you're right. I think my mentality with this is going more to the, this now allows you to mm. do stuff in the mid game and early game. So you're not just being that player that's okay, I did a bunch of stuff, pass. Uh, or as uh, Squee McGee, our audio producer, would say, sitting, uh, tight. sitting tight. I like sitting tight though, because I'm just like, I drop cards. Yeah. I ramp a little bit. I put a token on the battlefield. I'm good. Just, all right, you guys do your thing. I'll remove whatever's threatening. I don't need to attack. Why do I need to attack? Does it draw me cards? I don't think so. I don't know. Oh my <laughs> You'll die eventually when that's I'm tired the of drawing cards. That's the thing I've yeah. ever yeah. heard. Why, why do I need to attack? I Look, I'll, I'll, kill, I'll kill you when, I, when I'm good and ready, but until then, I'm going to draw some cards. Like. <laughs> Listen here, young chap. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm damn well good Just a Doom Wake Giant just says, get off my lawn. Let me draw cards in peace. Like <laughs> I'm not here to finish you off because then I won't be able to draw any more cards. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> he gets. Oh so it's like a mentality thing. Well, Tuck, I know uh, you, you alluded to it that you're adding a lot of stuff that's uh, going to be drawing cards. So that's very good segue. No, what no, no. This, 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 this next one is just a value card. Again, I'm, I know it's a basic one, but here we are. Whatever. Um, you're so yeah, basic. so so basic. Yeah, basic. Um, rune of sustenance. See you later. Colorless and a white enchant permanent. When rune uh, sustenance enters the battlefield, draw a card. Tomer, I get it. It replaces itself. Congratulations. We did. We did it again. We have done it again. Uh, and then, as long as enchanted permanent is a creature has lifelink, as long as enchanted permanent is an equipment that has a creature has lifelink. I think if you ran some semblance of life of equipment in this deck at all, this would be interesting right like lightning grooves perhaps or if that's too expensive for you as it is for me a swiftfoot boots or perhaps again maybe a whisper silk cloak of some variety i think this one would be more interesting right um but 
We're gonna make it really easy so I can move on to my last point and continue to lose my mind over your guys' choices because that's been entirely more fun this, this episode. Cigar Rosane, congratulations, we, fig- we figured it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, one white, uh, you may cast Aura does and doesn't matter spells as though they had flash whenever and doesn't matter spell enters the battlefield under your control, you may attach a target creature control. Again, like I said, I've realized that all my choices are very pedantic, boring, <laughs> and basic, so there's not much to talk about. I would much rather just lose my mind over what your guys choose to cut and add i love cigar is it i thought that that's great I, I i would i personally would not cut all the all the cantrip auras over over the other stuff but i really like cigar is they're they're integral they yeah. do the things if you cut too many of them then I, I they don't do remember. the thing anymore but I still remember when Cigar Aid got previewed. I lost yes, my mind. Yes, so, so insane. That card now, granted, now, is granted, so amazing, and, especially when you get it down turn one. I would rather have that than a turn one soldier. 100%, percent, especially in the right deck. Now, to be fair, it, it is a, like, you're getting half the value out of this card that makes it so insane. But yeah. what I was really, the point why I put it in is like, you have all these auras, right? And so many of them are like situational dependent on what your opponents are doing. So just the fact that now you can cast these at flash speed, that's yeah. why this is more important to me than drawing a card off a doesn't matter aura potentially. So yeah. anyways. I think it's really good in the deck because the, the biggest weakness of the deck that I can I just tell you straight up is going to be uh, combo decks that can pull off their combo in a single turn. Because a lot yeah. of the deck doesn't, a lot of this deck does not uh, do anything yeah. at instant speed. It's all sorcery speed. So like yeah. either you have to run more instant speed uh, answers, which I just neglected, like D Spark or whatever. But that or, also sucks. But that also sucks because that's less auras that yeah. do the same thing at sorcery speed, right? And this yeah. is like the perfect, perfect way of getting both best of both worlds. You're still casting your auras, but now you can interact with people who are like, "All right, I'm going to play my combo piece number one, combo piece number two on the same turn. I win." And you're like, all right, I guess you do, because yeah. on sorcery speed, this allows you to actually interact. So that's a really, really good one. I like that a lot. Yeah. And, and I think, Tomer, to, to your point with that, because I actually have a uh, Brutaclad Seven Dwarf Tribal <laughs> All Permanent yes. deck. Um, and, and I stayed true to that. But when we did that episode, uh, Tuck actually recommended the uh, Shark Typhoon enchantment uh, because you could cycle it at instant speed. And so it like actually gave me something just in case, right. like you said, if someone's like, okay, out of nowhere, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, it's like, Whoa, okay, let me, you know, I get to draw some cards, but let me get this shark out there to at least kind of protect myself or what it actually turns out to be is you know you're in step i'm doing it making like a 15 15 shark and then all my tokens turn right. into 15 15s and i kill yeah. you for the win so yeah having having that option when you are kind of dedicated to your theme of having some way to interact on other people's turns even if it may not be the best interaction is is helpful all right well we're on the last cut the last ad tomer bring us home what are you cutting what are you adding all right i'll preface this with be with uh don't be mad. Talk to him to lose his mind. <laughs> Don't be mad. <laughs> but you know, you know that card you wanted me to build around. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's good. Look, it's good. It's an enchantment. A female, the cacophony. We, we went over this one around already. Yes, but it's yes. Like, yeah. The heartbeat. It's the one just, that you were just, like, just rip the bandit off. Yeah. Squeeze gonna listen to this right, and start so, crying. So, right? a female. What's, what's great? Better, what's better than a female? So a Jean, so so there's better token generators of the thing, and also it hurts a recursion, which kind of sucks. So instead, 
I will add a trademark meme card of mine. Um, this is Adelon of Rhetoric. And this is the one you, you should you should double check with your uh Oh, is this the draw one card turn shit? Yes. You should double oh check with your opponents. This was this was personal recommendation. This is not you should double check over your opponents, uh or play group rather. I shouldn't call your playgroup opponents. Uh but you should double check with them that, that they're like cool with such effects. But Adelon of Rhetoric, this is a three mana enchantment creature, two and a white for enchantment creature spirit. Uh, one four that says each player can cast more than one spell each turn. It's a little bit mean, um, and it can it, it can it. hurt us because we do have a lot of like cheap auras and whatnot. But the, the the real key thing here is that we can play absolutely fine uh, casting one spell each turn because of Daxos. Like you come, you pair Adelon yeah. of Rhetoric with Daxos. You cast one spell. You'll probably still have mana left over, but then you just dump that mana into Daxos, and you are fine. Whereas your opponents probably don't have an equivalent mana sink that is so powerful that you want to be activating anyway. So this is the type of card that you're not going to jam out all the time you, you'll have to think about it but once you do put it on the battlefield and you have daxos on the battlefield too maybe you also have some protection for daxos you have like the shelter or the malakir rebirth or whatever like that um ready in the wings or you put an enchantment that protects him as well like kaya's guile or kaya's ghost form um your opponents are are pretty much screwed if they want to if they want to cast multiple spells each yeah. turn and like i said the deck is very vulnerable to combo decks to try to do a uh, like I win on my turn by setting up multiple pieces. Adelon or Rhetoric just completely shuts that down. And it's also I mean, enchantments. Why stop there? Like, I mean, the, think of the other options, like Rule of Law, the thing yeah. that says you can't draw more exactly. than one. Ghost of Labyrinths, like, can't draw one more card in turn. You, I mean, if you're really thinking about it, like, it. if you have a bunch of artifacts, like, why not run Winter Orb, right? Like, that all tracks, you know? Like, Bundles add all these things in that are artifacts arbitrarily. Like, I'm sure there's, like, Swarthstock, the artifact. You Look, know, you saw Dude Foretold. You guys can see Big Tucky is You saw Dude Foretold, if that was not a foreshadowing to where, which direction this deck could go. There was two, like, as soon as. As soon as the crystal chimes came out, that's when I, was, it's, I lost my <laughs> brains. Uh, so I, I, I would get worried. I, I get it. The Daxos is nice, uh, but I would get worried that it's like, well, I have like a bunch of cantrips that I need to do, and I can only mm. do one. Um, so I think. I would only feel comfortable with this card in my deck if I had some sort of sack outlet, mm. just in case if it's like, okay, I kind of need to do something this turn. <laughs> you have a way to get rid of it. I can't um, believe I'm saying. I can't know, believe I I'm saying how, this. I don't know how expensive. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but I completely agree with Mr. Combo. I can't believe it. What is happening? <laughs> yeah, like I'm. I'm looking it up right now. Oh, uh, how expensive? It's is not expensive. Eidolon? Uh, well, no, uh, uh, I was thinking of like, you could put oh, a yeah. rocket oh. in for one of your lands. Uh, it's, yeah. it's it's only 237 right now. I'm showing the double masters copy. So it's still, as we're talking like that $10, can I make the deck better? I think if you add this card, guys, pay a couple extra dollars, get high market. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's still at least half for a colorless. So, it, you know, unlike 
you know, like a maze of it or something that literally it just does mm-hmm. the thing. At least with this, you could sack a creature and yeah. gain a life. And in theory, you would be, okay, it's time for me to do my thing. Or even I got Sun Titan. I kind of need to do some stuff. Let me sack this guy. And then Sun Titan will get it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm still able to kind of tax my opponents to an extent or not tax. I am controlling my opponents, but I still get to kind of do yeah. my thing. Um, but yeah, no, that's and actually uh, we'll go right into mine because the combo thing I could see and I have a card that I'm going to add that's only 79 cents. I was one penny off from the 78 cent arbitrary number I came up with, um, but I think this card is going to do a lot. But I'm actually just going to cut a swamp. Um, personal preference, sure. I'm usually in that 34 to 36 land count. Seeing it at 37 with the other modal potential lands that could come in, I think you're fine on your land count. So, how do we not have Fate Unraveler in the deck? Uh, Fate Unraveler, three colorless black, enchantment ah. creature hag. It's a 3-4. Whenever an opponent draws a card, it deals a damage to that player. You're worried about combo players. How do combo players usually win? It's drawing 15, 20 cards in a turn. And if they're greedy SOBs, which they all are, they're probably paying life to do so through a Necropotence or something to that effect. A Necrologia. Oh, yeah, you want it to draw. And and, and I think the perfect example is uh, we have a player in our play group, uh, Forrest Daytu Wong. He's a a pro player. And... um, a lot of times when he's about to win, he'll like, okay, well, I'll pay 15 life, draw 15 cards or, you know, whatever. And it's like, okay, well, you're actually going to double your damage now, which will probably kill them. Um, and it being an enchantment, you're going to get all your triggers. It is unfortunately one mana higher. So, you know, Sun Titan's not going to be able to get it back. So that does kind of suck. Uh, but I think if we're worried about combo, combo wins through card draw nine times out of 10. Let's make sure they're punished as they do it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Uh, I, I like I like I like thirty seven lands because I also had cycling lands in there too to kind of help offset it. But right, um, right. I don't know. I can totally see that. I can totally see thirty six lands. It has four MDFCs. Um, so if you're treating the yep. MDFCs more as lands and as spells, uh, it makes perfect sense because you have essentially still virtually forty lands in your deck. So you're still going to hit all your land drops. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could, and I, I actually didn't think about Fade Unraveler at all. Uh, that didn't pop up in my head, but I feel like it's going to chip away at your opponents very consistently. Right. And if they do want to combo off, uh, you're very much right. I think they're going to have to find an answer to it before they can even start drawing cards. And they be they need to draw card they yep. need to draw cards to find answers usually to to get that. So it's going to be very painful. <laughs> Catch yeah, twenty two. It's going to be very painful for them. So I like it. I like that one. I like it too. All right. Well, Tuck, last one, man. Let's wrap up this bottle capping and uh, complete Tomer's Daxos mini enchantment. I'm going to make it real easy for you guys. Pentarch Ward, out of here. No. Two colors and white. Enchant creature. As Pentarch Ward's enemies battle, why do you not choose like a color. card draw, Tuck? <laughs> listen to, why listen do you not to me, like Tomer. Tomer, because you are, see, you are seeing the trees for the forest, you want to draw one card. Per cast, I want to draw you a million cards in one card. But it does so much. Two colors and a white enchant creatures. Pentalk wards and on the battlefield. Choose a color. As enters the battlefield, draw a card. Enchanted creature has protection from the chosen color. This doesn't affect. This effect doesn't remove Pentarch board. Now listen to me. All right. 
You're, we're putting it. We're putting in Phaeton Rattler. We're putting in Saran. We're putting all these other things. And why is conviction in the spice? Because we have identified a card that is in the yeast, the hops, and the grain that costs one less. Let's go, Flickering Ward. One white. When you <laughs> play Flickering Ward, choose a color. Enchanted creature gains protection from the chosen color. One white. Return Flickering Ward to its owner's hand for three dollars. Oh Ba-boom! It is not in budget, but this is a card that will win you the game every single time. And credit to our old pal D. Drell, APB still out for potentially since I've moved. This is a, he played this card. And I was like, wait, what? He's like, I don't know. I found it. Like, I, just, <laughs> I looked it up. Yeah, and it's like I'm just gonna get insane value. So the reason why it's a hop. You can defend your commander or any other card like uh, your old pal. Uh, I gotta look it up. Uh, the, the Everstrike. The reason it's a grain because this is gonna draw you like four or five cards off Saram alone. The reason why it's a yeast is because this is gonna help you build your giant army. I'm assuming the reason why you didn't put this in here was because it was over budget, over $3. Yeah. But here we are. I told you I wanted to be animated about your guys' choices, but then I got animated my, on my own. I will be taking. I will be. Ta I will be taking no questions. The whole, uh, you know, where we're talking about like the two white guys, where it's uh, getting a lot of the cast triggers and all that kind of stuff. I think if you look at, if we just look at Tux ads in a vacuum, that's basically the ten dollars. Because I mean, cigar is eight, almost right. five bucks. So basically, if you if you do Tux ads, that's eating up your ten dollars. But I think what it does. Um, with especially with another flicker type of effect is cigar to Zade allowing you instant, to do yeah, yeah. Crazy. Speed. you could swing with your daxos token and it could be a three three and it's like okay i'll take three and it's like ha let me do this flickering ward seven times or whatever and now you're dead Mr. um so i do like how this can be a hops but with the combination with cigar to Zade, this is a true yeast card because basically for two mana you're getting a plus. I think that's. I think. I think that's the nicest thing you have ever, or the <laughs> nicest or most positive thing you've ever said about any three of my cuts since we've been it's doing very, this for almost two years. It's very. Uh, it's very cohesive. Yeah, all these ads kind of synergize very well together and kind of contribute very well to the deck as a whole. So there's like a, there's like overall gameplay on that. Like all these cards really work off each other. Sram drawing cards off the flickering ward and casting at instant speed. And yeah, like it's combat trick, um, but also works so well with Daxos and gives you uh, interaction with combo decks. Um, and I just like the idea of just going an, an entire turn cycle. You can cast all your auras at instant speed. You can choose whether I want to make a token with Daxos if I need to, or I cast a spell if I yes. need to, or I do combat trickery if I need to. So yeah, I, I like all I like all those ads. I, I've not sold on the cantrip cuts, but you know what? You you made a good you made a very good I'm argument. Cutting, for I'm them. cutting your cantrips for very, twenty card draw instead of one. I would kind of like the read the bones before before a cantrip. I like the cantrips. I actually wanted to cut read the bones, but I didn't because I was like <laughs> drawing cards. And if I do any card draw, cut, I feel like I feel like me. that would be so. a, a good compromise. I would keep the cantrip fine. card. Okay, and fine. Cut read the cut bones. Scores, cut scores of bones. <laughs> cut scores marks around. I'm probably I don't cut care. Like, yeah. <laughs> All the instances are around. I cut necropol necrologia before I cut a uh, rune immortality. <laughs> are you kidding? Wait for reals? <laughs> I really like. 
You're I like synergies. We're at the end I of the like episode. synergies. Uh, layers. Layers <laughs> of synergies. For, uh, Constellation <laughs> trigger gets back with Sun Titan, triggers Daxos, draws you a card, you retether it, and then I've, it draws you another card. It's just, it's, it's just like, have, it's like a I've peanut been butter. Tomer, you've been, you've been, you've been just lying to me for months, for years. Look, they're all good cards. They're all good cards, Suck. But you know what? Sometimes, sometimes you have a lot of jelly and you need some peanut butter and rune mortality is your peanut butter in the stack. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, more ways to draw some cards, guys, as we're giving away a C21 commander deck. So we will materialize a hundred pieces of cardboard rectangles in your possession, plus a CMD tower playmat and sleeves from our sponsor, Level One. To enter, it's super simple. Just promote the content we produce. You get an entry for every interaction you do with us on social media, uh, plus being a part of our patron community. We will announce the winner on MTG Action 4 News June 1st and our social media account soon after. And yes, these giveaways will happen every month. It could be a sweet pre-con. It could be a bundle. I know for next month, we're going to be doing a Modern Horizons 2 bundle, similar to how we did a Time Spiral Remastered bundle. Um, just kind of depends on what level one can help us out with. But we would love a five-star review. Hit the subscribe button. Leave some feedback on whatever consumption platform you're listening to, whether that's a YouTube or a podcast. And if you enjoyed it, let us know. We want to know. And if you hated it, uh, it's all done. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you'd like to find out how to reach us and all the content we do, here's how you could do that. You can reach me at Mr. Number 5 on Twitter. I'll spell that except for the five. Big Tuck, where they can get uh, I am actually on Twitter at Big Tuck Tweeting. And this week... I wished uh, Robert Pattinson and uh, known actor Danny Houston birthdays. So I am more active than I've ever been in my life. <laughs> uh, you can reach our main account at CMD Tower on Twitter as well. You can also go to our website where the deck list will be posted and the goldfish link at cmdtower.com slash bnbe91. Basically, just type in chosen by Heliod, Mesa Entrancherous, Doom Foretold, tower.com. Uh, our audio producer isn't here today, but you can reach him at Dear Squee. So if you would like him to help you out with any of your projects, audio editing, anything like that, uh, he could do that remotely. Or if you are in a band and you want to come to the KC Metro area, he does have a full studio with lots of instrumentals. Uh, Tomer, if people once again want to get a hold of you, find out where your content's at, how uh, they do Just that. head on over to mtgoldfish.com. You will find my content there and MTG Goldfish Commander on YouTube. You know, find all the content there as well. And of course, guys, if you want to engage our awesome video editing team at underscore Teacoats on Twitter as well, uh, please, you know, we're kind of, you know, been doing YouTube now for a few months. We want to hear feedback on how we can make the videos more engaging. Um, if you would like to hook up our sponsor with the orders you're already doing, head over to level1gameshop.com. When you place an order in the order notes, just type in CMD Tower so they know that you came from the collective. And of course, they do sell tons of product. They're an amazing uh, local business here in the Kansas City area. So uh, go order from them online. They ship across the country. But if you would actually like to help us uh, improve the content, maybe get Tuck a microphone that doesn't sound like (laughs) he is uh, from the 1910s, you should have a door at Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. We have four different tiers, but the one we want to highlight is just join for a buck a month to get access into the Discord. And if you have questions for Tomer about this Daxos deck, you can at him in our channel. And uh, when he has time, he'll be able to answer it. So we always have our content creators join it whenever we have guests. Uh, And of course, we have the Quarantine Battlegrounds, which is free as well. So if you're looking to James some games online uh you could join that 
Plus those uh, different tiers that you join give you additional entries into the monthly giveaways. If you're an existing patron supporter or become a new one uh, through a referral of a patron supporter, shoot us a message on Patreon. We're going to send whoever referred you some free swag for just infecting you with the collective mindset. Yes, one day we all will be one mind and under a mind slaver. Of course, you guys can go get our uh, swag if you can't do a monthly contribution at cmdtower.com slash merch. We do sell everything on there. Um, you know, please go buy it. I still have so many packs of sleeves. Uh, if I do become homeless, I could though sew them into a blanket for shelter. And of course, Freeway, just uh, share the content you're watching and listening to because we really do appreciate the engagement and the support that our community provides. And Pink Royal, thanks for the music you guys provide. So Tomer, little over two hours, Daxos mini enchantments. This was looking at the deck, I was excited. Now talking through the deck, I kind of want to build it because it seems degenerate like I am. How do you feel the conversation went? How do you feel the recommendations to the deck? And is this one that you may even want to debut on a Commander Clash in the future? Well, first of all, how dare you? Second of all, <laughs> this is great. This is a great conversation. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. It was it was uh, really cool to gush about uh, Commander. Uh, you guys were really really nice to me. I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, also the recommendations were really really spot on. Like um, a lot. Like I, I would say every single every single change was definitely for the better. And there was definitely some insights that I didn't even realize about the deck that uh, you guys you guys nailed very quickly so that was really cool. yeah. really really nice uh to be on it was it was great talking to y'all and thank you so much for having me yeah i mean i feel like the conversation was great it was amazing having you on definitely uh you know we're gonna reach out to you in the future uh because this was this was super exciting you know but we 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 did our path to 32 we talked about all the decks that me and tuck actually own uh in all the different colors and so you know we kind of went on to this theme thing like we talked about in the beginning and budget month was the one that honestly i was very concerned we, about we both had one deck we have decks that we thought that were budget and then you look <clears> at them on on goldfish or something and you're like oh this deck's 150 dollars. that's not budget at all um so it, it's been a fun challenge and i think this episode is helping me because my mindset always goes to uh if it's a budget deck it probably isn't going to be powerful I, i'm not a cedh player but i do like strong decks because i like games to be over in about an hour hour and a half yeah. somewhere in there even though you own a cedh um, deck it's one of your favorite play so just you, put, you just put that out there <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is a deck, though, that with some of these ads, mm. I could I could see myself making this a lot yeah. more aggressive and and definitely like I'm I'm controlling, I'm staxing my opponents. But at the same time, I'm still draining you for <clears throat> 15, uh, 17 life each combat yeah. phase. So uh, thank you, because even though we, we kind of threw you a curveball with that harpy, <laughs> uh, you were able to take that and really make a good deck. Tuck well, you thoughts. know, I think um I just think there's this point where like you see someone on the internet so much and you like really, you know, identify with them as a person, as a deck builder. And then when we actually like walk through it, you realize that like, maybe they're a monster. Um, maybe, maybe they've misled you in pretty much every idea that you could think of. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm just, I am the dangers of parasocial situations. No, Tomer, this has been, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, 
this this deck is really fun like uh, you're you you have such a unique view on on magic and how to build and how to do it right with like limited budgets um and make really fair decks so it, it, it's it really you know i i like to make a big stink about things but in reality it, it's really been a true pleasure this is a really fun deck um it, it's just been a lot of fun and and really great talking to you so Thank I'll you. stop gushing there. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. See ya.